Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you. 9.03 here on SENZ, uh, busy next uh, three hours as we look back at the events uh, involving uh, the change of uh, all-black coaching staff. And we'll talk to Jeff Wilson. Jeff had uh, an interview, an exclusive interview last night uh, on the breakdown with uh, Ian Foster. Uh, so we'll just uh, get what uh, Jeff gleaned from that. Uh, and going forward, the chances in South Africa, he's uh, winging his way over there with the Sky team. So he'll be uh, on the spot there. We have a cricket update at 9.26 in which we'll just confirm the naming of that side to go to the West Indies. Talk back after 9.30 this morning. That's when we invite you to get on the phone 0800 150811. You can win a chemist warehouse voucher to the value of $50. I would imagine you've got plenty to say about the changes that have been made. After 10 o'clock, we'll talk to Casey Frank, of course, a former Tall Black and now Sky commentator, about the Tall Black's performance in the Asia Cup on the podium, finishing third. Uh, plus what's going on in the uh, Sal's NBL as well. Uh, so Casey, uh, at that time, a panel with Jamie Wall and Hamish Bidwell uh, looking at uh, issues that have arisen in the last two or three days. Uh, and Vossi, Andrew Voss, uh, after 11 o'clock before we have a stump smithy at 11.30. Plenty to keep us going. Let's get on with it. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, you sit back over the last seven days and you realise the more things change, the more they stay the same. The Warriors blow another handy lead, conceding 26 unanswered points. You ask yourself uh, how often they can do that. Can they not at some point in a match stop the bleeding and regroup? It seems not. It seems unfathomable. Why do we continue to believe it's not going to happen? Meanwhile, our golfers, Alka and Co, continue to do us proud on the world stage. Lydia just falling short on yet another major. Stephen Alka, the exact same result in his equivalent. So consistently good, consistently competitive, week after incredible week. And more red cards in rugby without a ball being passed or kicked. John Plumtree and Brad Moore get their marching orders in a predicted but still sensational move by New Zealand rugby. And it's extremely rare in all black history to see coaches sack mid-term. You were kind of left wondering who held the balance of power in that decision. Ian Foster's sentiments post the event suggest he was reluctant to get let go of those he first entrusted. New Zealand rugby historically steer away from that kind of controversy. So let's just surmise, and this is me, uh, the players, the senior ones, had a fair old say in all of this. It's hard to imagine they didn't. So we could uh, well see change in performance very quickly. If the big boys have the men they want and the style it's preferred, it shouldn't take too long. And that's where I'm hanging my hat, on that whim. A harder edge with more accuracy, the old values returning really quickly. The All Blacks always say good men make good All Blacks. John Plumtree and Brad Moore are good men. Good men gone, but it had to be to make the waters a tad smoother. Now onto the Republic. That, the, the Republic, that should really be fun. Oh, and yeah, let's not forget the Saudis finding more oil, selling it and buying more golfers. As I said, things change. And yet they don't.
106 here on SENZ, first guest of the week, and that is uh, Jeff Wilson. On Friday, the All Blacks announced their squad for the Rugby Championship with Highlanders forwards Ethan De Groot and Shannon Frizzell returning, Peter Gus saw a cooler dropped, and Sam Kane remaining as captain. Also staying a head coach is Ian Foster, but changes were officially made to the coaching staff yesterday with Brad Moore and John Plumtree out, while Crusaders forward mastermind Jason Ryan comes in. Joining us, uh, as I said, uh, Jeff Wilson, who had an exclusive interview with Ian Foster last night on Sky Sports Breakdown. Good morning to you, Jeff. Morning, Smithy. The sermon was pretty much right, I think. The players <laughs> pretty had quite much. a bit to do with the changes. Yeah, I would be thinking you're yeah, yeah, spot on there, Jeff. Um, look, uh, at the end of the day, changes have been made. Uh, as we wake up this Monday morning, uh, are you happy with what uh, has come out of it? I'd have to say yes. I don't think they could have gone any further than they've gone right now, um, given the fact the short turnaround going into South Africa. Look, clearly the, the players wanted some change. You get the sense, and Ian Foster said this last night. He asked the players to go away and, and you know, and discuss the situation and and look deeply into where they were sitting right now, and but also um, to to talk about the fact that they have faith in him, and clearly they've still got faith in him. If if they've decided to make this change and. You know, we'd heard that, that maybe that um, a couple of coaches were going to go and, and were under pressure on the back of last year um, in, re- in regards to where some of the, the, the team and, and the players thought the coaches weren't quite delivering and they haven't got the job done. And look, you know, as your sermon said, you know, Brad Moore and John Plumtree, good guys, good men who have worked really, really hard. They needed something fresh, so they needed something new. And with the combination of Jason Ryan on the ground and with Joe Smith in the background helping prepare a team in terms of delivering information and looking from a, not from afar, but looking slightly from the outside, I think that gives them something they can take to South Africa with and, and hopefully it'll inject a little, just a little bit of life into a team which has looked as though they've lacked a little bit of inspiration. Okay, so Jason Ryan we know is a good bloke too, that's nice, but uh, he's had a touch... A touch and, and a taste of international rugby uh, with uh, Fiji. What that gives you the confidence he can bring that kind of uh, mana, I guess is the word I'm looking for, to this group of players at all black level? Well, he's already connected to a number of them um, uh, through the Crusaders, uh, and I think that's pretty critical, particularly when it's going to be the, the heart and soul of the middle row and, and, uh, and Sam Whitelock and, and, and Scott Barrett uh, with no Brodie Retallick. So when you're talking about the set piece, when you're talking about line-out and scrum time, particularly line-out defence against the Springbok team, which we know is going to be very, very powerful up front, and the work they can do at scrum time. Cody Taylor's a big part of that at well, as well at the Crusaders. So he's already got an established connection, but also... I mean, here's a guy that's coming to an environment where he can see some little things that maybe the All Blacks haven't been delivering. And look, his experience and what he's achieved with the Crusaders has been consistency in terms of their performance, you'd have to say, particularly up front. And then the improvements that Fiji have made in, 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 in their tight five in particular, but their front eight. So what's he going to bring? Look, in the end, it's going to be a fresh, fresh set of eyes There'll be some different thinking, but I think we've got to be very, very careful that he's only going to have literally 10 days of preparation time. He's not going to be able to make significant changes to this group, right? What he's going to have to do, he's actually going to have to put some eyes on it. He's going to be having to pick up exactly where they are at, and he'll be looking at really the fundamentals and, and exactly what what um, their forward pack is going to need to deliver to counter what the Springboks bring. But it's more importantly, it's just a different voice. 
it's a different voice um, inside an all-black um, management team and coaching group that's been very much the same for a long, long time. Can they had, uh, afford to have, if they want things to change and, and get uh, drastically better quite quickly, can they afford to have uh, Joe Smith not with them? Uh, just to, uh, just sort of, uh, as you say, in the background? I think in some ways, the way I've, I've looked at this is that this is almost forced Ian Foster to get back into a, a, a role I think he's probably very much well suited to, which is looking specifically at attack and working with his back line and his critical players. The job that he did pre-being the head coach, and it's almost like Joe Schmidt is, will be delivering the information he was been studying South Africa after their series against Wales, and so so it's almost a, it's not a role reversal. Um, um, Ian Foster is well and truly the head coach, but I think in some ways I think this will get him maybe a little bit closer to the action. And look, Joe Schmidt, you know, when he took the job with New Zealand Rugby, you know, it's been well documented. He, he wants to stay close to his family, and and him getting back on the road and. Almost answering an SOS, I don't think would have anywhere been the right thing to do. I think what he has done is he's had a brief, he's stuck to that brief. My thing, my thinking here is, it's the role he can do as a selector now in terms of challenging the group, the collective group, and who actually plays. Because if we talk about the squad, Smithy, I don't think there was anyone else they can pick in terms of the squad. But in terms of who plays, now that's a different story because they've got a number of options and a number of positions, for me, you have to look seriously about who's going to start against the Springboks. OK, let's uh, look more in depth at, at that then, Jeff, because uh, that is only two weeks away um, and we all know the challenge that uh, going there um, puts before any uh, any rugby team, let alone the All Blacks. So, OK, w- looking at, uh, at the key areas, where do you think the change might come? It's a great question, and I, you know, I have to, I have to look at things starting up front, and whether or not, you know, Samasoni Tokiaho deserves to get a chance starting. I mean, we know he's a powerful individual. I mean, the, the one thing that we know is these two match, test matches are going to be at altitude. We're, they're going to be physical. You're going to have to be very, very good in the air because they're going to kick and kick well. What we did see last year, though, is the fact that the two games against the Springboks went to the 80th minute. So your benches are going to have to be very, very good. Um, and that's where, at the moment, we're going to need some, some impact well and truly off the bench. And it's going to have to be really, really good. And this is the work that an Ethan DeGroote has done. Um, what does Aidan Ross bring? Particularly the work in our, from our tight head props. I mean, this is going to be the critical positions for me in terms of us countering the full 80-minute performance. And so now, off the Tawanga Fasi and Nipololala, and whether Tyrell Lomax has done enough and improved it to a level they go, you know what, we're going to need you and we're going to need your um, toughness late in the game. To me, you know, that selection in the front row, um, that's where, you know, the All Blacks are going to have to step up. And, and because what we know is the Springboks will control the tempo of the game. They'll control um, how much the ball's in play. They'll try and use their physicality. And then the other one is the blindside flanker position. Has Akira Yuani done enough? in his last test against Ireland to warrant the sixth jersey. And that was the game last year where we didn't see the best of him against the Springboks. And that's what I want to see from him because Shannon Frizzell's done the work. They clearly need physicality um, um, through both both locks and blindside flanker. And then the impact of that off the bench. 
How big a fix then, Jeff? Do you think it is? I don't think I don't think it's a massive fix. But what I do know is that we're still going to have to play our style of rugby to beat them. We're still going to have to be able to create enough opportunities. But the Springboks aren't Ireland. The Springboks don't play like Ireland. And in some ways, if we're good enough to hold on to the ball for multiple phases, I think we'll be good enough to break their defence down. I think that's, a, you know, if you get deep into, uh, uh, you know, 90 seconds with ball in play, I think that's when our skill level and tempo can work as long as we're conditioned to do so. So so one of the things I'll be keeping a real close eye on, Smithy, is one, our conditioning. The fact that can we continue to try and play with tempo and keep the ball in play? There's no doubt it's going to be a challenge. And if we don't get the balance right, it'll play into the hands of the Springboks. So can we turn around? I actually... I am optimistic because I see this as a different challenge and one where, you know, clearly the players have taken some ownership of of so many things. And when you're taking ownership off the field and you've asked for change and you get a different voice and you get what you want, then you have to go out and back that up. And there's a different level of pressure on them now. Got a text in from uh, Graham um, as we've been chatting here, Jeff. Uh, morning, Smithy. Can you ask Jeff how Scott McLeod kept his job as a defence coach, where they have been leaking its tries for the last couple of years, especially through the centres where Rico is playing? Cheers. Um, so there's that, and uh, what uh, is Foster's role? Ian Foster's role going to be more back orientated at the moment? Absolutely more back orientated. Um, you know, he, he'll be working with the with the key key drivers there, and and it's a really good question defensively. And, and you know, quite often what happens is when you get under pressure, you, you make some poor de- decisions defensively. And and you know, I think that has been what we've seen over the last couple of test matches. That Ireland are incredibly well organised, well structured, and accurate. And what we saw was we saw some individual errors from players under pressure. And that's the hard thing is you start talking and talking about a coach and the coach is implement, trying to implement a system and then all of a sudden individual players simply just miss tackles. Now that's, that's not Scott McLeod's responsibility. And there's no doubt all the coaches are under pressure. That's, that's the reality of the situation they are right now. And, and I certainly don't think there was a, an easy option for Ian Foster here. Scott McLeod knows that he's got work to do, but I think they're still under pressure for the next two weeks, right? They're still this is, this doesn't change the, what's happened. One coach doesn't mean that all of a sudden, oh no, we're, we're going to give them, you know, they've got time now. What they've done is I think they've got a couple of test matches to show the right signs. So on defence for Scott McLeod, he needs to show the right signs and. You know, clearly, clearly, if they don't get results in South Africa, there'll be more questions. Um, I'm looking at this as that if they split um, the test matches over there, uh, they'll get more time to, to try and bed down what Jason Ryan's doing and where they're going. Um, if they win, then there's, a, there's an element of pressure comes off. Um, if they lose, then there'll be, a, you know, there'll be um, there'll be more talks at New Zealand Rugby about whether or not more action needs to be taken. What do you sense uh, about having chatted to uh, Ian Foster and watched him and the body language over the weekend at the interviews? He came out quite resilient, saying, I am the all-black coach, I am under pressure, I am resilient. Um, how, how have you felt he's handled this? It's a, it's a really good question, Smithy, and, and we all see this differently, I'm sure. I, I thought he handled Friday really, really well. I thought he came out and was really strong. 
when he when the squad was named, and and I knew he was not going anywhere anyway. You know, I know he is resilient. I know he wants the All Blacks to be successful. I know how hard he works. You can't argue and, and debate, I think, any of that. Um, I like that. And then clearly last night when we spoke to him on the breakdown, so he's just had to, you know, two, two coaches that he's worked hard with, who he believed in, he's had to almost be part of relieving them of their duties. And that's, I mean, you and I wouldn't like to do that. No one would like to be in that position. Um, where, where two guys who are good men have been, are now, you know, not part of the all-black environment. And so that would have been draining. That would have been a really difficult decision and, and conversation to have with individuals that you, you highly respect. So I get the sense he made the statement about his role and then it's been a, a difficult 24 hours. I just know today he'll be in Wellington and looking forward to taking on this challenge. I think they'll look forward to getting on the plane to South Africa and going, you know what, this will... This will it showed us where we were against Ireland. This will show us where we can to respond to. And, and South Africa, in South Africa, is the ultimate test. I personally believe we will see improvement. Uh, that, that is what I, I kind of sense from the whole deal. But if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong and we don't see any improvement, we see the same old, same old, the same level of mistakes, etc. the physicality not quite being at the level it should be. What next, Jeff? Uh, is there another move in the, in the pipeline? I think there may be another move in the pipeline anyway. I think Ian Foster, when he talked about, you know, in the short term, he was going to come in and look after the back. So I think that's, you know, it's one of those ones at the moment where they're looking for a change and they're looking for something different. I think they'll still be talking discussions and and there might be another player in this when they come back from South Africa. There might be, they might find more out about themselves about what they, they desperately need if they need something else and there'll be more. I mean, the conversations that'll go on now, and this is really hard, is because, you know, they're trying to make shifts and changes and, and identify areas, but we're in the middle of a campaign right now and there's a group of players that are out there doing a job, but um, there's no doubt, there's no doubt if, if, if they lose both test matches in South Africa, there'll have to be more questions asked and, and that, but that's, New Zealand rugby's job is to get the right people um, uh, and, and having in the right places asking the right questions. And you know, but like I say, I, I'm expecting to see improvement. And remembering that South Africa aren't aren't Ireland. I mean, that they're different. They're, they're they've been just as inconsistent probably in the last six or eight months. This these Test matches now and the Test matches late last year. I mean, they haven't performed um, you know consistently either. So I think both teams are almost at a a similar situation where they're searching for something and look, they've brought back a couple of vastly experienced players from injury, um, Dwayne Vermeulen and, mm-hmm. and Francois Stein into their group, so you get a sense that they're looking for something and searching for something um, against the All Blacks as well so this is where, I mean you know, both teams are under a different type of pressure but there's certainly pressure there Jeff, just finally um, looking at the, you've had a close look at the front row uh, what about the back three, Jeff? Um, so instrumental in, in a lot of our counter-attacking play, etc., from uh, an Andre Pollard kicking game or whatever. We, what would you do with our, our current back three? And it's a really... It's a great question um, because you know, I did quite a bit of analysis after the test, the last test against Ireland, and one of the things that you know I'd like to see us have a little bit more of is, is playmaking ability out on the field. Now, when... What I mean that is that when you lose a guy like Anton Leonard-Brown um, for a, a season, I think he could get the end-of-year tour. Hopefully he can recover for that. But experience, balance, 
um, decision-making. He's good on his feet, has the ability to offload. We've got a lot of guys who aren't necessarily playmakers in terms of being able to read situations and and distribute. And so a number of times against Ireland, we had guys in good position, but not with the connectivity and ability and distribution to get to the space. And so that's what I'm looking at. And so the back three is critical for that. And, you know, Geordie Barrett was great last season for the All Blacks. To me, at the moment, he's sort of playing very, very direct in what he's doing. And he's actually got a wonderful passing game he, it, when he backs it. But quite often, I think at the moment, there's just a lack of, of connectivity and and ability for multiple players to make multiple decisions. And so Bowden Barrett, if you watch him in the last game, the territory he covered and the work he tried to do was just, it was beyond what he needed to. And he ended up putting himself under pressure. We we need to get multiple playmakers. And that's where I think whether or not it's time for Will Jordan maybe to have a crack at fullback um, and, and see whether or not that gives us something a little bit different, particularly if they kick long and you give him time to run, that is when he's going to be at his very most dangerous. And so whether or not we see a little tweak there, if you put, I think if you put Barrett, David Harvey and Will Jordan in good decision-making situations, I think we might see you know, a little bit better distribution to our players. But, you know, I, I would be... That's, the, that's my one thing at the moment. And I still think Rico Ioane has... He still, he still needs to find something a little bit more extensive for the All Blacks. Jeff, as always, great catching up with you. Thanks uh, so much for summing things up so, so well for us. I know you're on the way to uh, South Africa uh, in about a week, so travel safely, mate. Have, uh, have fun and bring back a couple of wins. That would be great. That'd be nice, but it'll certainly be a lot more comfortable if we do that. Cheers. Yep, jo- makes everyone's job easier, Jeff. Yeah, all the best, mate. Thank you. Uh, travel well. It's 9.24 here on SENZ. Talkback time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150 811. Of course, it was broken on Friday and then more bloodletting over the weekend with a couple of coaches uh, have gone. So I imagine you've had uh, plenty of time to think about it. So uh, what are you really uh, feeling about those changes and our chances in South Africa? So the number is 0800 150 811. And, uh, of course, Dean uh, is on the line. Dean, good morning to you. Uh, what's your gut feel on all of this? Oh, Smithy, I got it horribly wrong on Sunday morning. I couldn't believe it, and I, the words all came out wrong, so I couldn't get back on to apologise. I had to text him and apologise. I think that's pretty gutless, so I don't think he's the worst New Zealander ever, but he's definitely the worst coach ever. For me, I think they got a, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place because now that they've got Smith on board, he's not just a selector like Fox, and I'm pleased to see him gone. But Ryan, and I'm wrapped that Ryan's got the gig, but... You can't tell me that he hasn't got taken that job or accepted that job knowing full well that Razor Robbins has already got a contract signed up, ready to go eventually. When that is, we just don't know. Because I couldn't imagine. You just wouldn't do it. You wouldn't not. You wouldn't take the job. There's no way. I don't, even though it is the All Blacks, I don't believe you'd take mm. it now that your best mate who should have the job, the public know who should have the job, the CEO of NZ Rugby is not sure who should have the job, Forster on Friday didn't even have coaches. He knew he'd got rid of his two mates. Like, for me, that's absolutely disgusting. But moving forward with Ryan, 
he's still got the same players, mate. Like Ethan De Groot, and good on him for being in there. He always should have been there, but it's not going to fix the problem. There's just something seriously lacking with the selections of the players. Plumtree's just been thrown under the bus. Like, he's not even a selector. He had to deal with what he was given. And more, well, he had a really good gig over in England. So I think it was Simon Wales, Scarlet's or something. He had a good contract, and they bought him out of that. So now, I reckon if it wasn't for, and I hope Smith gets more involved in the coaching, not just as a selector, but... If he wasn't there, honestly, I believe if Smith wasn't there, the broom would have gone through the whole lot and we'd have exactly who the public would like to have running the ship. Because the captain should go down with his ship, the coach should go down with the ship as well, and that's still there. Adi Savi, for me, needs to be number seven. We need someone else like that, Jordan Tafua, that was on the radio this morning with Izzy, and that. that's where we're lacking. We don't have a punch forward. Artie's not the Lone Ranger, and he's not getting any younger. Brody used to do a fair bit, but he's been found wanting since he came back from Japan. And we need to find someone fresh, young, and they thought it was going to be Peter Gus, but unfortunately the writing was on the wall for anyone that knew anything about rugby. When it goes up a gear in the Super Rugby semi-final, he was found horribly wanting. The sad part is I hope they can just sign a contract that he can play for Fiji, because otherwise... He's made a you know, horrible mistake. Great of him to get an all-black jersey, but he can't play for Fiji for how long? That's that's not right. I believe they need to address that, that if the top-tier One Nations don't want you anymore, you can go straight back to where you're born. Tino, going back to a couple of points there, um, I would imagine uh, Jason Ryan didn't think, think too long about taking it. This is the ultimate for him, to become uh, involved heavily with the All Blacks. He's never going to be the All Black head coach. Uh, I don't think he, he ever had designs on that. But here's the role he's come in when the All Blacks are uh, effectively at rock bottom. Um, you know, there's only one way in, a, in the public eye and in a lot of people's eyes they can go, and that's up from here. So to me, it's almost, if, if they ring you or Ian Foster or whoever rings you and says, mate, this is an opening we want now. It's probably come sooner than you wanted. Are you prepared to be part of this mix now? Uh, I would have thought, yeah. Um, so I, I don't think he would have been making too many stipulations about Razor, to be perfectly honest. That's point one. Point two, where are, where are these punch forwards coming from, Dean, in your eyes? Can you see these punch forwards in the squad and if you can't, have we got them anywhere in the country outside this squad? Yeah, well, that's the thing, Smithy. You can only coach what you've got. And I, I don't know. Like, uh, with nothing's proven at this level. That's that's the problem. We're, we're almost... I don't know. For me, the answer is no. I actually don't see a punch forward in the super... Like, Akira Iwani definitely is. He, honestly, as much as I've said to him, you know, he's hot and cold, and I, I hand on heart believe that, but if they got a, if they got a spare bus ticket for South Africa, I'd be ringing Buck Shelford and rooming him with him. I said it last week. And that way, he can help Artie out hugely. Like, Artie can't do it all by himself. Sam can do his scrappy, niggly, you know, the stuff that no one sees and he's good at it, but Akira Iwani is that guy. Oh, maybe Hoskins the two-two at eight and put Artie at Seven. That, maybe that gives us another guy. I'm just, I don't know. I haven't seen enough of those Aucklanders 
doing the hard stuff. Like, I, they, they're great at the open play when they can be bothered. But if they did it consistently, that'd be, there's your answer. Like, they're not Jordan Tafua. Either of them. Uh, and that's what... Uh, I would be... In- I'd be interested to know, Dino, if uh, Jason Ryan had any kind of input into this because I'm I'm kind of thinking if he had any input at all, he would have gone for the guy who was uh, responsible at the back for the Crusaders and uh, one of their big forward efforts this year and the resurgence towards the end of the season. And, and that guy is still missing, and that is Cullen Grace. I think that's why Smithy Forster had nothing to say on Friday. Ryan wasn't sure. Like, I mean, you're deep right in your logic and saying if you get off of that job, you take it, but it's not a poison chalice. I'd say his contract says regardless of the results, mm. after the World Cup, he can have a crack with who he wants because he hasn't picked the players. Now, we're never going to know who Razor and Ryan would pick because they're never going to tell us because they've got to try and get the best out of what they've got. So... I, I wish him all the best. Like what, he, what he did with Fiji in two weeks blew me away. So our forwards are better than Fiji's without being too disrespectful. So I don't know. Like if, they, if I actually knew that if they lost these two tests in South Africa and then Razor got the job moving on, oh, I wouldn't be too disappointed, to be brutally honest. As much as that's hard to say, I wouldn't be disappointed. Dino, thank you very much for Monday morning's contribution. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, John from Auckland. Uh, g'day, John. Yeah, g'day, mate. Yeah, um, some good points again from Dino. Um, just on Moore, our defensive coach, um, you know, we conceded, I think it was 56, 55 points in two games. We're talking about an All Blacks team here. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> for him not to be on falling on his axe says a lot. I know they paid him out of his contract, um, but, you know, a lot of sides, I heard Kempi this morning, a lot of sides are moving away from a rugby union approach to defence, and you see that with the best teams in the world at the moment, bringing in that league-style defence, you know, in-your-face, kind of no-gaps, you know, no no prisoners taken kind of approach, and that's something we need to look at. But if Moore's going to still be in that coaching group, um well, South Africa don't really play an expensive game anyway, so they might not score much. But then again, we might not score much. Um, but we've we've got the cattle to win win two test matches over there. We just I'm not too sure about our coaching. Uh, so yeah, it's it's really it's really going to be a hard watch if if we lose the first test, mate. What do you think, Smithy? Yeah, look, uh, every chance we could, every chance we could. Uh, within that group, John, there's quite a few players that have not played rugby in South Africa. Uh, for various reasons, of course, we've had COVID and, and, and we don't play super rugby against them anymore. So a lot of the yeah, the younger breed exec that are coming through haven't experienced uh, conditions on the high felt or, or um, things like that. So they're pushing it, man, they are pushing it. But, you know, sometimes um, when you're, your backs are against the wall as such, and all black sides haven't tended to be for a long period of time. We have sporadic times in test matches when we have to push back hard. But this is against the wall for quite a long period of time now, uh, John, with a lot of doubt around it, a lot of public perspective against it. I've got a feeling they're going to regroup quite quickly here. Um, But to what extent, I don't know. I think it'll be better. Put it that way, mate. 
Yeah, let's hope so, mate. And, you know, them going over to, to South Africa is probably the best thing for them, not being in this environment where it's all negative towards the team. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be a hard ask. I mean, they're playing at altitude both games against a very big, big, probably the biggest forward pack in world rugby. So, um, yeah, I don't know, Smithy. We're just going to have to wait and see. Cheers, mate. We're going to have to bite, yeah, bite the bullet. Thanks, John. Thanks very much for your call. Uh, Brent calling. Uh, good morning, Brent. How are you? Hi, Smithy. How are you? Yeah, cool, mate. How cool. are you, Smithy? Yep, I'm good. Hello. Yourself? Smithy. Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah, going good, Brent. What's on your mind, mate? Okay, this, is got, this is my issue. I've got a few issues, okay? So I didn't know this, but if you watch that press conference and the questions, Plumtree was one of the three-man selection team. Did you know that? Uh, I I knew no, I I was more of thinking it was Foster and Fox the whole time that they were together. Well, but yeah, you know, I stand yeah, to be corrected, yeah. mate. Well, in, in this in the well, I watched it closely and a few times. Uh, Foster said that the selection team for he picked the rugby championship team was himself, Plumtree, and Schmidt. So my question is, why was Plumtree picking it if he was going to get sacked, or maybe he didn't know he was going to get sacked? So, you know, and in any case. It's two versus one majority. Plumtree and Foster would be on the same page. That's why, That's why, in my opinion, the squad hasn't changed much. And I do have some players that should be in there. I know you are seeing that question, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I've got mm-hmm. players in there that should be there. Brad Webber should be there. I don't know why he got dropped. Cullen Gray should be there. Asafa Amir should be there. Smitty Williams should be there. Fletcher Newell should be there. Like, they're only 21. They need to be blooded. The big, strong, fast. And you need to... You know, like some punch forward. Sam Samson only Tucker. You, he should be running on as hooker. He's got. He's a beast. You know, and we should be looking at players like Zahn Sullivan. Like look at a young blood in that Allback team. Like he's an amazing player, Smithy. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think that I, I know where you're coming from, Brent. Um, and I, I, I understand uh, your timeline on how this went about too. Um, I think the, the fact that the coaches went came quite a long part after the fact that they had the squad. I mean, they named the squad before the coaches went, um, and the fact that Plumtree was part of it meant that uh, his removal from the group, uh, Ian Foster had very little, if anything, to do with, to be perfectly honest. So I appreciate uh, your call, and, and I, I get where you're coming from, and I like all those names you're talking about too. Two or three uh, key crusaders in there going forward, Newell, uh, to Mighty Williams, of course, and of course, Cullen Grace, who uh, I cannot understand, Brent, how, how he's not there at, uh, in some form. Uh, on his form for uh, the Maori All Blacks, on his form for the Crusaders, in the big games, the big games in, in the tough moments, um, having been uh, given the opportunity a couple of years ago, told to go away and, and fix a few things, um, and he fixed them. But at this stage, not uh, no room for him there. So interesting. Thanks very much to your calls this morning, uh, everybody. It is 9.46 here on SENZ. Uh, for those interested in the latest PGA event, it has been won by Tony Fino. Uh, it's his third PGA event, winning the 3M title this time around. Um, Scott Piercy, who was the overnight leader, shot 76. He choked big time on the back nine, uh, having a four to five shot lead at the turn. It was one of the biggest chokes you'll see. He hit the ball more often in water than he did anywhere else. So uh, it was amazing uh, the way he compounded. But Tony Finau, who was the classiest player uh, amongst those who had an opportunity in the back nine, 
uh, came through and won com- comfortably in the end by three shots. So well, well done to Tony Fino. Right, let's get into uh, some of these ticks as well. Uh, hey, Smithy, who is replacing Plumtree as All Black selector? Well, certainly uh, uh, Chopper, that will be Joe Smith initially. Uh, they will have a meeting within the group, um, but uh, I'm not quite sure whether they have the confidence to appoint another selector, whether they see um, Jason Ryan coming in in that role. Maybe uh, that is the case. Uh, so you're looking at uh, Ian Foster, Jason Ryan and Joe Smith. Uh, as uh, Jeff Wilson pointed out, he'll be doing that more through the television set um, and, and studying all sorts of things uh, with his particular theory. But that would be probably the mix. I don't see everyone else there being absolutely rock solid in their roles at the moment, Chopper, but thanks very much. Uh, hey, Smithy, in his interview last night, it sounded like uh, he was trying to convince himself he's the right man for the job. This is uh, Ian Foster on The Breakdown. Uh, he said nothing of significant value. I mean, he's not going to come out and say he's not up to it, but wow, New Zealand rugby have made three mistakes, giving him the coaching role, renewing and extending his contract, and then not giving him the flick after this last review. New Zealand Rugby have mucked it up and are now trying to save face. Robinson must go. Uh, no name to that text, but uh, get the feeling that still a lot of people are not that satisfied with the outcome so far. Uh, the problem is Sam Kane. Looking at rugby power stats, he was one of the poorer forwards against Ireland. Ardy to seven, Frizzell six, uh, six and eight uh, with uh, Akira Ioane. That's uh, the answer, uh, apparently. Uh, new coaching new coaching group after South Africa of the World Cup. Razor head coach, Jason Ryan, the forwards. Ronan O'Gara, the backs. Craig Bellamy, the defence. Wow, there's one. Uh, keep it simple and declutter the All Blacks' heads. It is 9.53 here on SENZ. The storm let us down over the weekend. Uh, won't be backing them again. They're on a horror run of form. Today, we've got uh, the Mets playing the Padres in uh, Major League Baseball. Uh, at $1.77, the Mets. Elise Mertens to beat Lynette in uh, the latest uh, women's tennis tournament, WTP, at $1.38. And uh, here's a good one, Malika Mahambo to win the women's long jump this afternoon at the World Championships. Ma- Malika, I should say, Mahambo to win the women's long jump. That's at $1.83, and she's the favourite by quite some margin there. $4.47 uh, is the result of that multi, should we get it up. We're going to be talking to Casey Frank after the break because uh, the Tall Blacks have been in action in the Asia Cup and they have had a podium finish, which is outstanding for international basketball. We'll uh, talk about uh, how important that is and also what's happening in the sales NBL as well. It's with uh, Casey Frank and then a panel in the next hour as well. Very busy and don't forget we've got Bossy after 11 o'clock on another Warriors, well, how would you describe it? Disappointing performance, I think it's fair to say. We'll just leave it at that and be polite. Ottawa with the news next. Fourteen seventy-six AM in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Kia good morning. I'm Anuha Hathaway with SENZ News. Thousands of people in Northland remain without power as weather forces road and school closures this morning. More than 2,000 top energy customers have been cut off in the west from Omapere, east to Waikare and north to Pukenui. And North Power is currently working to fix damage caused by fallen trees. More rains forecast for the region with strong northwesterlies and at times gale force winds. And power cars are asking people to treat all lines and wiring as live.
James Shaw has announced he will be contesting the co-leadership position of the Green Party and he's expected to make a statement at a press conference about now. While Marama Davidson was reaffirmed at the party's annual conference over the weekend, Shaw didn't get the requisite 75% of delegate votes needed to hold on to the role. But the Prime Minister believes James Shaw's performed exceptionally well so far. Jacinda Ardern said he would still hold on to his climate portfolio regardless of the outcome of the Green Party leadership. I want to ensure the continuity of the roles, so I have no intention of changing Minister Shaw from the portfolios he has regardless of what the end point of the Green Party's leadership decisions are. An epidemiologist says Kiwis absolutely should be concerned about monkeypox. New Zealand has had two cases so far and now the World Health Organisation has declared monkeypox a global emergency. Canterbury Uni's Arindambasu says children as young as seven as well as women are being infected. SENZ Radio. NZ Sport next. Download the SENZ app today and listen live or catch up on anything you missed from your favourite show. The Tall Blacks have erased a 15-point third-quarter deficit and beaten Jordan 83-75, using a remarkable fourth-quarter comeback to earn themselves a bronze medal at the FIBA Asia Cup, their first-ever podium finish at the event. And Ian Foster says the decision to appoint the Crusaders' Jason Ryan as the new All Blacks assistant coach came out of a meeting with his leadership personnel on News Hub. I believe I've got the group, but now I've got to deliver the plan. Part of the changes that we've made are about making sure that I'm not taking for granted their belief in the direction that I'm heading, but I'm also listening to them and making the changes that we all feel we need. More Inside 30 on SENZ. All the big moments from the world of sport. SENZradio.nz Shower Dome Shower Top for a drier, warmer, healthier bathroom. Buy a Shower Dome Shower Top online now. For the North Island, lots of rain, heavy falls for the top half, some showers on the east coast to the South Island, cloud, drizzle and rain. Join Kirsty Stanway on the Black Ferns show from 7 tonight after the run home on SENZ. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Smith-Milner again, goal! On fire! Seven of nine from three-point range! Several seconds on the shot clock, Taylor Britt. Oh, Oh, what a finish that was. Out in the world. Abu Hawass puts it up and misses, and that is it for Jordan. Heartbreak for them. They played so well for three quarters. They just could not get it going in the fourth. And New Zealand, despite their struggles, have battled back to win it, 83-75. to Yeah, impressive performance, wasn't it, to overcome that 15-point deficit to beat Jordan. Uh, the result that saw a podium finish for the first time ever in this tournament. Tohi Smith-Milner once again was crucial to the Tall Black success. He scored 25 points, including 14 in the deciding fourth quarter, backed up by the likes of uh, Taki Faransson and Sam Timmons. This will surely go down in uh, our history as one of the, the great comebacks in the team's uh, particular history. On the line now is a former Tall Black, now basketball commentator, of course, uh, all over the place. And he's also a co-host of uh, SENZ's Hoop Heads as well. Casey Frank. Casey, good morning to you. Well, good morning. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem at all. Um, 
when you look at uh, the strength of that side, the inexperienced levels, this is quite some achievement, isn't it? Uh, most definitely. Uh, I think when you take a team that combined, uh, I think there was about 20 caps coming in uh, to, to go over into a, a, a pretty fierce environment with real veteran-laden teams, uh, you know, outside of Australia that was kind of young as well. Uh, and, and teams that did not want us to succeed in the Asia Cup. You know, we're, we're the new boys on the block along with Aussie, and we're going in and we're taking something from them. So to go in, to, to really build up from the ground this squad, and and what's even more impressive is to come from behind victories that they were able to ascertain in, in the, the quarterfinals and the, the, obviously the third-place game. It just shows incredible resiliency for a team that, that just did not have a lot of experience, uh, and the experience they did did a great job leading them. Uh, Casey, before we get on to some of the individuals and that uh, performance uh, overnight, can we talk about the, the loss to Australia, 85-76? Um, but that scoreline maybe flattered Australia a wee, but that was uh, that was a very strong performance uh, well uh, against the defending champions. Yeah, absolutely huge performance. I think, well, once again, it was the way that they were able to come back from a big deficit. Uh, it's a really difficult thing to do in international basketball just because the pace of the game is so different. Teams are, are, are more drilled to the point that mistakes are less likely. You don't get a lot of turnovers. You don't get a lot of free-flowing pay, play. So when you see a t- team down 10, especially to a team that's got uh, future NBA players, some ex-NBA guys on it, and it, 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 there's a, a bit of a talent gap. To go out there and be down and say, well, we don't, we don't worry about it. We're going to put our chips in the middle of the table and just play hard fight from behind and start uh, executing to the level that you need to be despite that defensive uh, effort by the Aussies and to cut it to three down the stretch put yourself in position that you can win the game uh, that, that was just a great confidence booster and it really is a testament to the depth because uh, no offense to the, the guys who went over there but this is a young team uh, if everyone was available a lot of these guys wouldn't have been on that squad but because they were they got that experience they understand what it's like to play international basketball and they, they've just increased the depth of, of the pool of talent to, to such a high level okay so Pero cameron now has some new names to throw into the melting pot when he gets uh, the experience of fellows back uh, at his disposal who are these who are the blokes that for you really made their mark from uh, our point of view well, I think uh, first and foremost, uh, the way that Flynn Cameron played, uh, especially in that game against South Korea in the quarterfinals, showed his ability uh, that what he's going to be able to produce in the next few years is an athletic wing. Uh, he's got some point guard skills, so he can play at that position, but he can also play that 2-3 because of the size. Uh, as he grows uh, grows up and becomes more physically mature, he's going to be a real handful. I think a two-way threat. I, I sort of think of him as like a, a bigger shape. Really, that's going to be a great addition to the squad. We haven't had a player of his physical makeup and skill set in the Tall Blacks uh, team, you know, for quite some time. I can't really think of the last time we had a guy that size. Uh, you know, as another young player, Tucky Ferenson, the, the way he's shown that he come come off uh, and his athleticism that was good in the NBL is also you know up to the task internationally the way he was getting out on the wing the way he was finishing at the rim uh, if he can bring his defensive efforts up to his offensive game he's going to be a real threat to make a lot of teams in the future uh, and you know for, for the big there's a ton of names but you know, the, the way Sam Timmons battled back from the injury and was able to be available in the last two games despite not being full strength and do his best and be a physical presence, rebounding the basketball, scoring on the interior. And obviously, Smith Milner, who's, who's been on the team for a while now. He's been, you know, one of the guys that you can count on. But the way he shot the ball, the leadership he showed, you know, he, he hasn't really been a, a core part of the leadership pre, uh, group previously because 
of where he's come up from and his age, but just be thrust into that role. And when your team needs it most and foul trouble, everything else, to be able to shoot like that down the stretch, just uh, it was great to see him live up to his potential internationally and help help museum bring home that gold or that that bronze medal. Well, Casey, a number of those players, of course, will be now available back to their franchises uh, within New Zealand as we head towards the business end of the, the sales NBL, uh, where the Nelson Giants cemented a top-two finish uh, over the weekend, 85-74 over the Canterbury Rams on Saturday night. Uh, and that's with Jared West having uh, quite a night by his own standards, but uh, with the likes of Thompson and Morning, where do they figure in your reckoning now? I think uh, Nelson's got the highest floor and lowest ceiling of any team that's challenging uh, in the South NBL this year. Uh, they just—they're so well coached. Mike Fitchett has them making limited mistakes, and you can see even when a player of the caliber of Jared West doesn't have a good game, they're still able to get victories and with relative ease. Uh, it was a short-handed Rams team, and the Nelson Giants are one of the few teams this year that hasn't been bitten by the short-handed bug because they haven't sent guys off to Tall Blacks or three x three. So because of that, they've had that level of consistency. And they're certainly in that mix for a title run. The only question, I guess, would be, would be is their depth and top-tier talent up to the task of some of the other teams that I think are going to be fighting for it down the stretch. Where did you rate uh, that Canterbury performance uh, on the weekend? I think, uh, you know, Coach uh, Judd Flavel has them playing really well despite being under strength. You know, they, they don't have their starting power forward. They don't have their starting point guard, uh, Taylor Britt, Max Darling, both away with the Tall Blacks. Uh, and to be able to come back out and you know, it, they didn't get the wins, but they were putting themselves in the mix to do it against a, a more talented and a, more, uh, a team with more depth than the Giants. Uh, I really like the way they're playing. They're playing a grindy physical game. In the end, they just did not have enough firepower, but they still have a chance to get a couple of wins down the stretch and make sure and make themselves force their way into the mix for the top six. One of the great uh, spectacles at the weekend, uh, Casey, was the fact they tried a double header, of course, with uh, Tawii uh, running alongside the Sales NBL in its inaugural year. Uh, 5,000 people, 5,000 people, mate. That's a great sign. Uh, it's, it's tremendous. Uh, I think the support for basketball around the country is, has obviously been on the up and up. But when we can get that many people to, to come out for a day of basketball, you know, it's a, it's a big day. But uh, the, the fact that the, the, the women are playing so well, they're inviting. Uh, what we really is, I, I think, uh, bringing some of the young women along to games that can see their heroes. They don't just have to watch the men say, you know, I can be someday. They can look and see these women playing and say, oh, I can go to that. And it's, has opened up, I think, the fan base a little bit to, to another option that wasn't possibly there before. But but really, it's, it's all testament to the quality of the play. Uh, the way that the players have come in on both levels, you know, we've got a, a lot of high import talent. I think the New Zealand talent that was available this year has been really steadily improving and making names for themselves. And because of that, it's it's been a really exciting year that I think in both competitions is completely wide open. A win and a loss over the weekend for the Taranaki years. Where do you see them sitting at this point? You know, at full strength, uh, to me, they're the favorites. Uh, and that's with Ty Winyard and Richie Rogers, uh, who are both away with 3x3 right now. So they're going to be missed the next couple of rounds including this last one, because of uh, the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. So when they're at full strength, I really like the way they play. Uh, you know, the fact that they're able to go down to Otago without Winyard, without Rodgers, without two starters, uh, change the way they play, get a little bit faster, really push that pace, 
just shows the versatility that they have. Uh, if they're able to get back and get everybody on the same page in time for the finals, which is going to be tough, those guys are going to be away, you know, in this core part of the year. That's a, that's crucially important. It's going to be difficult, but with the physicality, uh, tough defense that Rodgers and Winyard bring, along with that offensive firepower that they have from Anthony Hilliard, from Javante Douglas, and Sean Willett, uh, it's it's going to be a really fearsome beast to try and tame. Uh, Sam Timmons, you mentioned him before uh, his comeback play for um, <clears throat> the Tall Blacks. I, I just wonder, is his uh, reintroduction at the Nuggets going to be enough for them to be serious towards the end of the season? Uh, it's going to be difficult. Uh, I think, uh, especially depending on how quickly Nico McCullough can come back from his sickness. Uh, he's missed a lot of time this year. I think those two players are crucial to any real hopes that the Nuggets have for postseason success. Without those guys, they just don't have the depth. So, Timmons, if he's uh, coming back in healthy, I think the level that he's been playing at uh, in with the Tall Blacks at the Asia Cup is above what he was doing with uh, the Nuggets, so he should be at a higher level. Uh, with his, his ability down low, that'll enable everyone to go back to their natural positions. You know, Withers uh, has been playing a lot of de facto five, and that's not his prefer- preference. It'll enable... Uh, Keith Williams and Trey Boyd to go out there and concentrate on the offense when they have that big guy defensively to grab the rebounds and ignite fast breaks. Uh, At their best, they are in the mix. The question is, of course, can they get to their best in a short amount of time with limited practice uh, to try and get up to that level that other teams have been working on that training hamster wheel for three, four, six weeks in a row now with that consistency? That's going to be the difficulty for the Nuggets. Right, let's look at the Northern battle at the weekend and, and a, a blowout in the, the last quarter effectively gave uh, Tuatara a, a, a pretty comfortable win, 89-68. It looked comfortable at a halftime, anything but. Now, the Tuatara, uh, what about their momentum? Uh, are they capable of getting as high as uh, one of the top two spots to avoid the semis? Uh, I mean, uh, this is just the doc- Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde team of the year for me. Uh, every time I think I've got them figured out, they go the other way. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I thought their season might be over. They went down to the South Island and won two going away. Then I thought they had it fixed. They lose at home to Southland. And then they go into Franklin, a team that's been playing reasonably well, uh, has had Corey Webster, who's just been on fire. Uh, and they just completely dominated things defensively, really junked it up, made it difficult for Corey for, to score. Uh, but I think my favorite thing about that to a Tara game was, you know, the emergence of Dante Russo Nance. There was a picture f- floating around on Facebook uh, that his dad shared, Sean Nance, that showed Dante Russo Nance at a Tall Blacks game about eight years ago, looking up to Corey Webster and Ty Webster, and then there he is on the court and dominating play against one of his heroes. Uh, you know, that, that, that was really interesting to me, but the way Schneider's playing, the way Russo Nance is playing, and the way that Rob Lowe's playing, that, that, that is top-tier talent. They're able to score on everybody. They can play good, solid defense. Uh, I think the real question for them, if they want to have a title run, a finals run, is can Dan Foto come back from injury and be a contributor? And will Chris Johnson be able to come back from the basketball tournament and help them in the finals? Uh, if they do, they have the talent to win the, to win the title. If they don't get those guys back or if they just get one, it's going to be a difficult slog just because I don't think they have the depth. Casey, you mentioned Jekyll and Hyde uh, seasons as such uh, with Tuataro. How would you class the Saints then? Now, uh, they're in fourth place. Uh, I mean, the the start couldn't uh, couldn't have been slower, couldn't have been worse. Uh, But now, um, they're genuine. 100%. You know, I'm not sure who the MVP is going to be. 
But in my opinion, there's no question who the best player in the competition has been this year, and that's Xavier Cooks. Uh, his, his versatility, his ability to guard every position, to play offensively from anywhere on the court, uh, makes them extremely dangerous. And you talk about how they struggled to start the year. I mean, this is a team without any starters for the first three weeks. So they, they got themselves in a big hole. Uh, they've gone through some issues this year, a changing coach, of course. But they seem to have the recipe right now that uh, no one else can figure out. I, I am interested to see what happens when they play some of the other top two teams, but they are absolutely dominating everybody who's in front of them. I, I think what was most impressive was the way they were able to beat Hawks Bay twice uh, in the span of a week uh, in a really dominating fashion because this Hawks Bay team is quite good. They were a little shorthanded, of course, as well with no Jordan Hunt, but the Saints, their, their combination of defensive excellence with uh, really big size and switchability all over the court combined with the way that they can score from inside and outside and just really take advantage of mismatches because with their best five on the court, there's always a mismatch. And with the intelligence of the players, they have been able to really search those out and, and really uh, punish them with, with a lot of uh, ease. Left field, this is a left field question for you, uh, Casey. I just wonder how, uh, whether you've been keeping an eye on uh, the Brittany Griner situation uh, in a prison, of course, uh, in, uh, in Russia. Uh, everyone, everyone, a lot of very powerful sporting people, and particularly in basketball circles, trying to, trying to get a home. How do you see this uh, panning out? Yeah, that's, uh, that's probably a bit above my cray cray grade in terms of the, the politics that are involved there. It's really unfortunate, obviously. Uh, Brittany Griner and women's basketball players, the top-tier players, they had to go to Russia uh, the last uh, you know, decade or so to earn that top-tier money because this was where, where the competition was paid. You know, they're, they're getting paid uh, a couple hundred thousand dollars to play in the WNBA, but they're making millions in Russia. So, so they were going to go and play in this league. And uh, I, I think there's a lot of questions about the veracity of the charges against her. Uh, which is unfortunate, but but it, it's obviously just a political ploy by the Russians to try and eke something out of the U.S. government. I, I think, uh, you know, those top-tier players, they're using the, their fame, they're using their platforms to try and get this woman home. She deserves to be home. She ha- hasn't done anything wrong from what I, I think uh, any, any reasonable person can see, and that to be used as a ploy, as a pawn in a game between two uh, superpowers is really unfortunate. Uh, you know, I, I'm hoping that sooner rather than later that the American government is able to do something to get her home. But this is a situation that I think you'll see uh, professional basketball players really have to take into account moving forward about where they're going to apply their trades, uh, especially with the volatility of what's going on in the world right now. Uh, you could see some talent that used to go to those countries like Russia. You know, they're one of the highest payers in the world. They're going to be dispersed everywhere. So uh, I think that's what's going to be one of the outtakes of it is the talent there is going to drop and in leagues around the world it's going to pick up. Casey Frank, always great to catching up with you. Uh, really appreciate uh, your updates uh, across the board there. I look forward to these playoffs. I understand tickets went on sale at 9am, all those games at the North Shores Event Finder Stadium. You'll be there, no doubt, mate. Looking forward to it, eh? Oh, most definitely. This is the, the best part of the season. This is when it all, it's, uh, the guys are playing for all the marbles. And to be able to be a part of the season and see the way that uh, the, the quality of the competition has changed and the way we've covered it has changed in the last few years, it's just really great to see the, the young basketball players and basketball in this country get the recognition that uh, the people around the game have felt that it's deserved for so long. And I'm happy to play a, even the smallest of parts in it. Ah, you're playing quite a big part, Casey, and we appreciate it. Thank you very much for your time this morning. Cheers, thanks a lot.
Cheers, uh, Casey Frank there, of course, uh, former Tall Black, but uh, basketball aficionado. Uh, that's the voice you will hear on uh, quite a lot of the commentaries over the sales NBL, of course, and you'll hear it over uh, playoffs, uh, over the playoffs, of course. Uh, as I said, those tickets on sale at 9 o'clock this morning. Get in quick because that will be a sellout job without doubt. 10.20 here on SENZ. Get our tyre phone line. Call Izzy and Kempi anytime. 0800 150 811. And remember, Kenna Tyre is making trade easy with the two-hour delivery promise and heaps more. Noli Link's epic entertainment deals are on now. Epic deals on TVs, audio, headphones, gaming and heaps more. And flexible payment options to suit you. Plus, get free expert tech support. Conditions apply. Available at Noli Ming. Investing in property is not a hobby. You need to understand the business and have a tailored investment strategy from people you can trust. At Property Apprentice, we're independent financial advisors who won't just try to sell you property. We can help you to understand what you need in order to help you to achieve a stronger financial position for retirement. Come to a free event, text TICKET to 268 or go to propertyapprentice.co.nz. Kubota's low rates are on now for all new excavators and track loaders. You can drive away with a low finance rate for a limited time only. Offering conventional or zero tail swing excavators and compact high performance track loaders, there's a Kubota ready to take on any task. Get in quick to beat the price rise and speak to your nearest Kubota dealer today. Terms and conditions apply. If you're a Kiwi racing fan, the New Zealand Racing Podcast channel by SENZ is for you. Whether it's hearing from legends of the industry on racing tales of the turf or keeping up with the current landscape on Breakfast with the Kiwis, you'll never leave without a gem to take away. Wherever you get your podcasts and, of course, in the SENZ app, make the New Zealand Racing Podcast channel priority listening today. By Kiwi racing fans, for Kiwi racing fans with S-E-N-Z. The Vodafone Warriors are home. Support your team with the Vodafone voicemail live on S-E-N-Z. Call now and leave your message after the beep. Fellas, you're back. You're back home. See you soon. Your voicemail message could get played on S-E-N-Z. Vossie here. Just got one message. Welcome home, Vodafone Warriors. There's epic prizes up for grab too, so call 0800 37 GO WARRIORS. That's 0800 374 692. Vodafone voicemail on SENZ. Keeping you connected to the mighty Vodafone Warriors. For over 20 years, Generation Homes have been building homes for every generation. And with over 200 ready-to-build plans to choose from, if you've got the land, Generation Homes have got the plan. Plus, for your peace of mind, Generation Homes provide a fixed-price guarantee with no hidden costs and a guaranteed move-in date. Contact one of their friendly sales consultants today and discover more about how Generation Homes makes building easy at generation.co.nz. Are your driveways, pathways and decks slippery? Outside furniture green, covered with moss and mould? Well, Spray and Go Moss and Mould Killer is the answer. With a unique fast-acting formula that works on any surface, it prevents regrowth, is biodegradable, 100% bleach-free and up to three times stronger than the competition. Spray and Go Moss and Mould. Order now at lifestylefocus.co.nz or call 0800 888 Lifestyle Focus is right at home in every Kiwi home. 
Pathosense HOCL-based cleaning products are bringing a cleaning revolution to New Zealand. HOCL kills 99.99% of microbial pathogens and viruses, including COVID-19. HOCL is 100 times more powerful than chlorine bleach, whilst being safe to touch and no PPE required. Pathosense is perfect for use in all industries, including manufacturing, food production, hospitality, healthcare, as well as in the office or at home. So visit pathosands.co.nz today. Frosty here. Let me tell you about Fuchs Titan GT1 Flex 23 5W30. It's perfect for many petrol and diesel vehicles including Toyota, Holden, plus Mercedes-Benz and BMW. Fuchs Lubricants, German technology that pays back. Fuchs.co.nz. Well, as it goes, is ripping it up all over the Supercars Tour. All you need to do is rip it up on Quizzy Dag every morning and you'll be off to the Gold Coast. Yeah, boy, that's right. We at Quizzy Dag are giving you a chance to win an epic boost mobile Gold Coast. 500 experience, including flights and accommodation. Thanks to Willamette Travel. Five questions. That's all. Get them all right, and you go into the draw to win a trip to the Gulf. How good is that? 0800 150 811 every morning. Come and take on the Quizmaster. Yes, it's true. Baz has gone to coach the English Test Cricket Team, but he's not lost to us here on SENZ. You'll still be hearing from the boss, Baz McCullum. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The Opinions, the panel. Joined by Hamish Bidwell, still trying to get uh, Jamie Wall up on the line. So Hamish, it's you and I at the moment, mate, and uh, let's uh, digest uh, what we've been witnessing over the last uh, seven or eight days in uh, all-black environment. Have the right people been made scapegoats, do you believe? No, no, I don't. Um, I hold Ian Foster fairly responsible for all this, and, and above him, Mark Robinson, NZR. Like, I, at what point are these men accountable? Like, it's, it's hellishly tough on Pumtree and Moore, um, who, I mean, they're just underlings. They're surely relatively blameless in all this. It's easy to to point the finger at them now and say, well, these are the only things holding the team back and it's all going to be, you know, greatness and prosperity from here. But I, I just find it, like, at what point does does the, the losing and the and the performances um, that are below the potential of the team actually matter? Like, New Zealand rugby seem less concerned about that and more concerned about saving face, about any admission of wrongdoing or fault. I find that really hard to, to comprehend, like... I think people want to support the team. They want to see them do well. But as it's currently constructed and as NZR have acted in this really intriguing couple of weeks, like I think people are, are becoming disillusioned with the whole outfit and they, 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 they want answers. They're not getting them. I mean, it was all very well for Ian Foster to come out and proclaim himself a coach and, and to speak up for himself today. And that was good. But it's all talk like we've heard them for years talk about markers and lessons and stark realizations and there's been vows to improve and and to to to, to heed what the team have learned from disappointing performances and nothing's ever changed like that performance at sky stadium a couple of sad days ago now was about as inept as we've ever seen from an all blacks team and yet what changes not a lot a bit of shuffling of the deck chairs behind the scenes but but little else like that it's hard for people to, to tolerate on an endless basis. It is hard to tolerate. Um, I, I look at 
the timeline of how that uh, this sort of unfolded to me, Hamish, and uh, it looked like the, they'd cemented or tried to cement the team before anything else came about because there's been very little change of personnel in that direction. Yeah, I, I just, it's interesting. I mean, I'm, I, I'm lucky. I'm not a day-to-day journalist anymore. I feel sorry for some of them. Some of them got a bit giddy on the winds of change and wrote some things about Ian Foster and NZR that perhaps now they have to deal with these people still might regret or feel slightly sheepish about. It seemed like something was going to happen. Um, but NZR have pushed all their chips in here on Kane. They've pushed them all in on Foster. And we'll see what happens. And I'm lucky. I'm in a, a position where I'm dislocated from it. I'm just a a freelance dribbler who waffles on and, and I don't have to deal with the All Blacks on a day-to-day basis anymore and, you know, I, I can sit back and enjoy it. Like, they've, as I've said to you before, they've made their bed and mm. they don't have a lot of goodwill out there among people and so when things don't go well, there's going to be a backlash and it'll continue to happen and, and whether staffers take to LinkedIn or the, the coach proclaims himself to be the coach, that won't wash for that many people. Right, um, Mark Robinson apparently is going to meet with uh, Andy Marinos to, uh, during the Commonwealth Games to discuss Super Rugby's Pacific future. Where do you see this one ending up? I'm compromised, but I'm, I've, I've said many times I, I would have been quite happy for New Zealand to go out alone. I understand there are, there are issues around broadcast and they need revenue from elsewhere and all that kind of stuff and that multinational competitions are seen as the, the best way to pay rugby's franchise way, but I, I would be delighted to see Australia go alone. I'd be delighted to see New Zealand go it alone. Um, I, I'm glad that these men are going to get together and perhaps some of the foghorn diplomacy that Hamish McLennan, the, the Rugby Australia chairman's embarked upon, and, and Brett Impey, his New Zealand counterpart before him, before he left, you know, they, they would fire shots in the media that, that, that were necessary. I mean, I, I just think that Marinos and Robinson can sit down and talk as reasonable men. They'll come to a reasonable compromise. But as a fan, I, I wouldn't miss Australia's teams. I'd be quite happy to see us do something uh, innovative and unique with New Zealand rugby. be nice, actually, if they just, yeah, maybe if they agree that it's, it's sort of going nowhere, whether they just take some time out and they go their own way and just see how it goes. What would be the harm in that? Well, Ian, you and I live in the provinces and, and the game here is not in the health that it has been and there's not a lot of association with, in our case, the Hurricanes as our sort of local franchise. They're, they're a, the days of regular matches at McLean Park are a distant memory. There's not a great connection between the fan base here and that team in Wellington and, and I just think something that's more provincial-based would suit the New Zealand market better and we get more profile for, for provincial rugby, which I think, frankly, deserves it, but hasn't had it, and is dwindling as a result. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I'll let you uh, take a, a deep breath, uh, Hamish. Uh, we're still trying to get hold of uh, Jamie Wall, so it looks like it's just, just you and I at the moment. Take a breather. Uh, we'll have some news with uh, Araha, and when we come back, uh, another couple of issues to mull over as well. It's 10.31. 1476am in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Making SENZ news this hour. The wild weather in Northland's brought trees down and that's left more than 2,000 people at the top of the North Island cut off from power sources. More rain's on the forecast too with strong nor'easterlies and at time gale force winds on the way. James Shaw's confirmed he will be contesting the co-leadership of the Green Party. And New Zealand has had two cases of monkeypox so far. 
and the World Health Organization has now declared monkeypox a global emergency. SENZ Radio.NZ Sport next. Download the SENZ app today and listen live or catch up on anything you missed from your favourite show. The Tall Blacks erased a 15-point third-quarter deficit to beat Jordan 83-75 at the FIBA Asia Cup and earned themselves a bronze medal in the process. And Ian Foster says the decision to appoint Crusaders Jason Ryle as the new All Blacks assistant coach came out of a meeting with his leadership personnel. More inside 30 on SENZ. All the big moments from the world of sport. SENZ Radio.NZ. Shower Dome Shower Top for a drier, warmer, healthier bathroom. Buy a Shower Dome Shower Top online now. For the North Island, lots of rain, heavy falls for the top half, some showers on the east coast to the South Island, cloud, drizzle and rain. Join Kirsty Stanway on the Black Ferns show from 7 tonight after the run home on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Hamish, just before we finish with Hamish Bidwell, by the way, folks, this morning, I, I just before we finish, can they, uh, I mean, it looks to, for all intents and purposes, and if initially, and whether it carries on or not, uh, Joe Smith's not going to be very hands-on with the All Blacks during uh, this, this particular campaign anywhere for family reasons, obviously. Uh, is that going to work? Well, if his role is just to provide analysis and perhaps game-planning information from afar and to select the team as a quote-unquote independent selective, and yes. But, I mean, when I looked at it after the, the Island series, I thought the most workable solution was him to come in on a formal basis and actually help coach the team. If that doesn't suit his circumstances, if he doesn't want to do that, that's fine. I think it's a shame. I think he would add a lot. But in terms of him performing the role that he's been hired to, yeah, I think he can do that from afar really, really easily. Okay, cool. Uh, let's hope it works that way. And uh, and uh, he's not a loss to us anyway. I think uh, well, I'm not quite sure we saw too much influence in the first side named uh, of Joe Smith. But however, we'll wait and see. Uh, cricket, of course, is ploughing ahead. Uh, team overseas at the moment. What have you made of uh, the performances of the Black Caps um, uh, throughout uh, Scotland and now heading towards the Netherlands? I'm more focused on the West Indies trip because we have the, the big guns back. I'm interested to see that your man, Damon Cleaver, didn't make the cut, having sort of done well on, on this tour in Ireland. Um, he's a really emerging sort of player. I'm interested to see what they do. I mean, obviously, Daryl Mitchell opened at the last T20 World Cup and did it with, with a plum. He's now sort of playing more of a middle order and sort of closing type role. Um, I think it's good that they're having a good look at Finn Allen. I think we probably need something at the time. I have a thing about Martin Guptill. I, I, I'm reminded of Peter Roebuck at times. Roebuck would write about or talk about players who rose or teams who rose to the small occasion. Uh, Martin's been an amazing player, played some of the most breathtaking white ball innings I've seen in a New Zealand shirt, but I don't know that he, he quite lives up to that at World Cups, so I would be perhaps looking, as they prepare for the next T20 World Cup, at perhaps another option at the top instead of him. I think that's something they, they need to develop. Um, but, yeah, it's just good that, that Williamson, Bolt, Southie, et cetera, are going to be back for the West Indies trip. Um, that's, that's important, but I was surprised, and I'd be interested in your thoughts on Cleaver missing out. Yeah, I'm a bit disappointed there. I think he did enough in the brief opportunities that he's got. They seem pretty hell-bent that uh, Tom Latham is their man, um, and uh, just looking at this particular squad, 
that has been named, he'll have to be in both forms of the game, really, unless they use Phillips as a keeper in the T20 uh, side of things. Uh, Michael Bracewell's been, uh, it's been pretty cool. We're, there's a bit of a trend here, if you look at uh, the age of some of these players getting introduced, that uh, you leave them a bit later, and they come good a lot quicker, and Bracewell falls into that, Mitchell falls into that, uh, Conway, to a certain extent, falls into that category as well. There's a lot of self-sufficiency about New Zealand cricket, about guys having to learn their craft, um, needing years of experience on the domestic circuit. We don't we don't produce guys out of school, particularly who go flying into to international cricket the way they perhaps they do on the subcontinent. So the experienced campaigners that know their game, that know their limitations, importantly, and, and can play within those are um, are important. And we have a lot of multi-school cricketers, guys like Bryce White, Mitchell, that do a bit of everything. Um, that's that's the New Zealand method, and we have a lot of bits and pieces players. And it's about, from a leadership point of view, uh, getting those resources and getting them in the right sort of scheme of things and the right game plan, so that you don't have a lot of guys who can do a bit of everything, but guys who actually can contribute and and, and, and perform those roles well, and with a, like a clear idea of what they are, whether you're a finisher, whether you're opener, whether you're ticking it over in the middle, like whatever you're doing, having multi-school players who can perform different roles is an asset to New Zealand. Are you at all worried about Kane Williamson and his role in the side at the moment? I was worried when he didn't play the domestic summer. The, 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 the prioritising of IPL cricket, which pays his way, and I understand that, over playing test matches for New Zealand at home, that, that disappointed me. Um, obviously, the underwhelming uh, IPL for the Sunrisers. Um, I, I think he's still in, he's an important member of that team. Whether he's slightly falling out of first choice category, I don't know. Like I just in general, I like to see him scoring more runs, and that goes without saying. Everyone would like to see that. Is this game up to it? I, we've we've just seen Ben Stokes give fifty over cricket away, so he can concentrate more on Test cricket. I wouldn't be disappointed if we got five years of Williamson as a Test player and didn't see him in one more cricket. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit the same actually. Um, I, I think that should be his priority. I mean, that's a, he's a very pure test batsman. I'd hate to see him lost to the game or all of that fall away because of uh, outside influences and that being other forms of the game. So um, the, the other thing, uh, Hamish, just before I let you go, what, the Commonwealth Games, does it do it for you? No, no, it doesn't. Um, I'm watching women's golf actually in the background here. I enjoy that. That's something that I do like mm. to watch. Um, Commonwealth Games, no. It's. I struggle with. I've probably mentioned this to you this before. I, I meant. I struggle with the legitimacy, legitimacy of some sports. I think there's some cheating going on, some drug taking going on. Um, I find the Commonwealth Games are sort of a poor man's event in many respects. I'm not a big nationalist. I did once upon a time follow the Black Caps round uh, England as a punter in 1999. I was quite emotional seeing them win at Lords, standing beneath the players' balcony at the Oval when they won the series, and, and Bob Willis begrudgingly handed the trophy to Stephen Fleming. Like, I, I actually teared up on those occasions. Um, but I'm not at heart a big nationalist, so because a New Zealand person is doing something doesn't mean I'm interested in it. And we do a lot of flag-waving around things like Commonwealth Games and Olympic Games, and they don't really do it for me. I hate to be a, a cynic or a grump, but that's it's just my nature. Cool, actually. Cool. I, I, I don't think you're... Uh you're sitting alone in that taxi either. I think uh, a lot of people will feel the same way about the, the Commonwealth Games and the necessity to continue 
to continue having them. However, they are on very shortly. Uh, Hamish Bidwell, you've had to fly solo this morning. You opened the batting and you uh, batted at the end of the order as well. Thank you so much uh, for your input this morning, and uh, we shall have another panel uh, tomorrow at the same time. Hamish Bidwell there uh, making a major contribution, and we thank him for that. I'm not a religious man, but one pastor who I do listen to is Ian Stockley-Smith. Smithy Sermon, about five past nine every morning, Monday to Friday, here on SENZ. G'day, Cameron Smith here. Make sure you download the SENZ app and subscribe to the Maddie and Mates podcast. Maddie Johns chats to his rugby league mates. Did you hear what he said? It's a weekend, that rare weekend of the year where everyone stabs each other in the front. Plus some stuff that has nothing to do with sport. The late great Anthony Bourdain had a theory, he said, when you go to a country, you always eat the street food. So I had a prawn fajita in Thailand. And put it this way, 24 hours later, my nurse was like a wizard flea. And while you're there, subscribe to the Captain's Run. Get them both by downloading the SENZ. It's a massive season for our black ferns, and we're keeping you right up with the play. The O'Reilly Cup returns to New Zealand in 2022 as our black ferns take on fierce rivals, the Wallaroos. The series kicks off in Christchurch on August 20 as both teams begin their final build-up to the big dance later this year. The first test in the O'Reilly Cup series, Black Ferns versus Wallaroos. Saturday, August 20, Orange Theory Stadium. Support our team, hashtag like a black fern, and get your tickets now at blackferns.com. You're in New Zealand, you know what's so hot right now here? It's winter. Winter, yeah. Soaking in a hot tub, how about that? It's so hot, it's steamy. Racing down a river in a jet boat watching humpback whales. It's all hot to do right now here in New Zealand. Horse riding on a beach, snowboarding, skiing, walking on a beach all rugged up. H-O-T. Winter has never been so hot here in New Zealand. So get out there and experience it. 100% pure New Zealand. Catch all things chasing, pacing and racing with TAB Trackside TV on the SCNZ app. Plus, watch all the racing from New Zealand and around the world. I wish I would get in an like and right on the inside. Just go to SCN TV or your Today screen to start watching now. She struck the lead after trail for the one. TAB Trackside TV, it's off and racing on the SCNZ app. SCNZ, it's Kiwi for sport. Get your pulse racing with Harness Racing. HRNZ.co.nz is the home of Harness with industry info, previews, tips, profiles, fields, expert analysis and much more. You'll be able to keep up with every meeting, every race. And if you want the action, get to the trots. See the four-legged athletes and the flying sulkies. There's nothing quite like it because Harness Racing is where excitement lives. So set the pace with NZ Harness Racing. For everything Harness Racing, visit HRNZ.co.nz. John, do you know what would be good? What? One forklift company to handle all my needs. New, second-hand and rental forklifts, big, small, electric, LPG and diesel, with backup parts and service I can rely on. Ah, Mike, you should give Crown a call. What do you mean? Crown can help with all that and more. Crown, the one and only call to make for all your material handling needs. There is nothing like a crown. Check it out at crown.com or call 0800 802 002. No risk, no worries. New Zealand's dairy industry is feeding the world. No, really. 
Here in New Zealand, we export milk to over 100 countries around the world. And if you're a dairy farmer, then Grain Corp Feeds is your trusted partner for high-quality dry and liquid dairy feeds nationwide. And trusted partner means that Grain Corp have the advice you need and a variety of feeds for all systems, in shed, bulk and liquid. Grain Corp Feeds. Learn more. Visit graincorpfeeds.co.nz. The Vodafone Warriors are coming home. Support your team with the Vodafone voicemail live on SENZ. Call now and leave your message after the beef. Welcome home, Vodafone Warriors. Your voicemail message could get played on SENZ. Welcome home, the Warriors. There's epic prizes up for grabs from Izzy and Kempe. So call 0800 37 Go Warriors. That's 0800 374 692. Vodafone voicemail on SENZ. Keeping you connected to the mighty Vodafone. Warriors. Izzy, I've been telling you, mate, follow me and I'll get you paid just like Justin Thomas got himself paid at the PGA Championship. Honestly, Uncle, I didn't know you knew anything about golf. What's your favourite club? Oh, mate, would have to be a toss-up between the Warriors and Newcastle, of course, both very close to my heart. You've done it again, Kempe. You crack me up, Uncle. Yeah, that's what I do every morning. It's Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SCNZ. Every week I catch up with Kiwi women doing great things in the world of sport. Join me, Ricky Swanell, 10am Sundays for Trailblazers on SCNZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Mentioned before that uh, Tony Finau uh, won the uh, 3M Open in the USA, uh, the latest round of the PGA tournament with $7,500,000. It's a reduced amount because, um, of course, uh, often in the week following a major uh, they tend to, fields tend to drop off a wee bit in terms of quality while the players uh, either return to America or just take a breather and uh, get themselves back together. So uh, that was the situation there um, on the back of the biggest choke I've seen in a long time with Scott Piercy uh, chucking away a five-shot lead at the turn to finish in, in effect uh, three behind. Uh, so a seven-shot turnaround there. Uh, meanwhile, uh, $6,500,000 was the total purse for the latest women's major. Uh, the Amunda Evian Championship in France. What a magnificent uh, spectacle. If you've seen some of the footage coming in from there, what a, what a golf course and what a backdrop it uh, certainly was. Got to be on the bucket list to go to that part of the world. Lydia Ko, incidentally, finishing in a tie for third, picking up uh, $450,000. She had a great late uh, part to the round. She was just a little bit static earlier on uh, and then managed to uh, Finish with uh, a final round 66, so $450,000 for her. And uh, in the uh, Senior Open Championship held uh, in the UK, total prize uh, purse there, $2,500,000. Uh, the very popular Darren Clark from Ireland winning that by one shot from uh, Paddock Harrington, also Irish. Uh, and then a fellow by the name of Stephen Alka, you might have heard him, uh, finished uh, just two shots behind in a tie for third. So another big fat check uh, on the way for Stephen Alka as his gold mine continues in Seniors Golf Champions uh, Tour Golf. Uh, some texts uh, that have come in as well. Uh, I feel for more. Uh, if Razor was to get the job, more would it more than likely have been the one he kept. Jason Ryan will do wonders. Hmm, interesting uh, if that was the case. Still um, a multitude of people just saying it, it should be Razor and uh, if it's not now it will be very soon. 
Heisman, there are a few questions. Uh, one, Foster said he believed he had the dressing room, which is not convincing. Uh, two, Frizzell has played one game for Nelson Maris since the quarterfinal loss to the Blues. So not convinced he is ready for the rigours of South Africa. Never been hugely sold on Shannon Frizzell. Anyway, to be perfectly honest, uh, did Ryan have any input into any of these forward changes? I doubt it. Cheers, Paul, and that's uh, the timeline I'm sort of considering as well. Uh, the team came out before the changes to the administration came out, and I'm, I'm kind of thinking that, uh, no, he, he didn't uh, have uh, a lot of input into that because uh, that happened a, a long way after the event. Uh, Smithy, can we pr uh, bring a player in from Japan? So why can't Jordan Tafua be selected? Forwards can be selected, backs can't. Uh, yes, Weber has been robbed. He's as good as Smith and better than the other two. Uh, Grace could be should be given another chance at eight. Artie captain and if uh, and seven if Akira rooms with Buck number six, but Shannon won't let us down. Well, it's of course uh, our friend Dean uh, from Dunedin. Uh, well, the question on uh, eligibility is always one that's in the air for me because uh, we tend to, um, if we need absolutely need somebody, uh, we tend to find a way to get them back, don't we? Uh, and that has been the case with uh, uh, Patrick uh, Tupolotu, who, who's back in the side now with the absence of Brodie Retallick. Uh, the question is, uh, will he have benefited or will his game have gone backwards as a result of playing in Japan? Uh, hey Smithy, uh, I think it's a wait and see moment. There's been a hui, we got some dewy with the changes in the coaching group. I am excited for Jace Ryan and interested to see if there are more changes after the bot games at attack and defence. I see Jace as the new breed of coach, being both technical and a player's coach. If we lose the next two games, is Foster's time up? Let's find a game plan that suits our players, but I also hope that the players stand up and show some heart. And that's what All Black Rugby is all about, Cyril. Absolutely so right. Uh, hey, Smithy, I'm assuming Greg Feek is still there. Uh, I haven't heard anything to the contrary. Uh, I'll be honest with you, Anthony. So does that mean there is a scrum coach and a scrum-focused forward coach? Seems very messy still. Surely Jace Ryan has only agreed to be there on the promise his mate Razor will join in the near future. I don't know sure uh, whether Jason Ryan had uh, any say in those sorts of things. I don't whether he, he's in a position of strength to the point where uh, he can start making those kind of demands. I, I, really, uh, I really don't, Anthony. I, I think you'll find that uh, Jace Ryan's uh, role in his contract will be about Jace Ryan and not about who's perhaps waiting in the wings eagerly uh, to form a new sort of alliance. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't be think reading too much into that, uh, I'll be perfectly honest with you, mate. Um, so uh, more text to, to read out in the next hour, but we've got to take a, a short break. And when we come back, uh, Louis Herman Watt with a review of his trip to the Naki. NZ Update, your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. <laughs> 10.55 here on SENZ in the mornings and I guess we need a, a really a trip report on the visit to the Naki. A, a good one, Louis? A successful one? Tough day on the punt, but a, a lot mm. of fun. What a place. Um, now they do it well, don't they? Open Naki Cup Day and gee, it was cold early doors, but um, I wasn't riding track work, so I can't really complain, can I, Smithy? Um, no, they're fantastic and good racing, Funny old track to try and try and do some form on, and uh, some horses just did not like it. Um, Sam Spratt, three for 
Brady, how good? Um, and yeah, probably not the day that Alan Sharrick and his farm would have liked if everything went well, but that is racing and I'm sure they'll have their time again very soon. Uh, just ask me, circled for the Livermore. Um, but Smithy, something that you're very hot on, the other feature meeting on the Saturday, abandoned at a huge cost for the industry at Rotorua. So I think it's about 60 thousand dollars and that's not actually including turnover out of the TAB as well. So it's a massive drain on cost and energy and resource to the industry. This keeps happening. So in that case, um, our uh, owners and trainers are able to get refunds on anything? Yeah, yeah, I believe they are, yeah. yeah. So there's um, can, about 50 or 60 grand in direct compensation for participants. Um, and obviously the clubs themselves lose out. Uh, and they reckon, in Michael Guerin's article in the Herald, he's, he's laid it out very well. He reckons probably between one and one point five million dollars in turnover loss because it was a Saturday. Um, he's mixed spoken to Bruce Sherrick, and he's the CEO of New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing, and understandably, he's absolutely gutted to be honest because this has been going on and on, and he's tried to remedy it as best he can, and they've put processes in places, and they've got. NZTR representatives doing more and hopefully the new season going to even do more and take up more jurisdiction but at the end of the day oh, there has to be something from the club some understanding that this isn't good enough and nobody is winning out of these abandonments, not the club themselves so we need to work out that if their track isn't going to be suitable to race on we need to act faster and move them synthetic tracks, that's what we have these for can they be used on weekends? I think they will be used in weekends moving forward, but we just need to do better, Smithy, because people are losing money and, more importantly, patience. Patience means people uh, walk away, and that's not a good thing, Louis. Thanks very much, mate. We'll catch you tomorrow morning. Uh, We'll jump across now to the TAB, where uh, one of the main protagonists is on duty on Monday for us, uh, Paul Mawati. Um, Paul Moati, I, I read something where, the, or maybe it was just a recommendation, that the TAB might become a little bit more liberal or allowed to be on betting on novelty things like who would be the next All Black coach, etc. Yeah, that's right, Smitty. Um, I think we're still at the drawing board stage at the moment. Well, yes, uh, the powers that be are, are trying to get uh, some sort of legislation through so that we can offer markets on things like the next all-black coach, uh, which would prove very, very popular with punters out there. And I'm just looking at the rugby championship at the moment. Of course, uh, we're about a couple of weeks away from the first game. Uh, the South Africans are favourites at $1.87. All Blacks $2 outsiders to win that first test. Uh, and in the overall market, I can tell you, um, New Zealand are now out to $2. The South Africans into two fifty after opening up at around two seventy five. So money coming for the South Africans to win the rugby championship this season. Okay, Paul, thank you very much for that. And that's a direct uh, contradiction, really, to um, how they perceived we'd go against uh, Ireland. Uh, We were warm favourites, very warm favourites in every game against Ireland. Uh, Not the case now. South Africa and in South Africa, a really difficult proposition. Um, The market is starting to think about that. I believe closer to the time there'll be money going on the All Blacks. Could be wrong, but I think so. It's called sentimental. It's called warrior fever the same reason it happens to them as well. Time to go. Back at uh, this with Vox.
1476am in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Kia ora, good morning. I'm Aroha Hathaway with SENZ News. James Shaw says he's clear the Greens have more work to do and he wants to be there to do it. Shaw failed to gain 75% of the delegate vote at the annual conference and told media today he will be contesting the leadership. I'm not about to walk away from a job that I consider barely half done right when we're about to get some traction. And the Prime Minister's come out strongly in support of James Shaw, telling AM Show he's done an exceptional job so far. One thing I would again acknowledge here is that he actually has a difficult job. He's a minister in a government, but he's also, of course, comes from another party. Uh, and of course, there will be occasions where he will want to move further or faster. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Deep right-hand side for Fogarty. Flat goal! They've got them! It's 14 all in Canberra! Fogarty coming out of the line. Curran left some space. Oh, swing and a miss! Swing and a miss full-time here at GIO Stadium, they've beaten the Warriors 26 points to 14. 26 points to 14, it was another frustrating loss for the Warriors, faithful on Saturday night, after what, what looked like uh, quite a promising first 40 minutes. The Newcastle Knights were dealt with the bad news that their star fullback, Kalen Ponga, has been ruled out for the rest of the season, and we've learnt that the Dolphins aren't giving up on signing Cameron Munster. The storylines keep on coming from the NRL, and that is why, as a radio host, you have to love rugby league because there's always, always something going on. And uh, we're very lucky because uh, we can talk about it at this time on a Monday morning with uh, SEN Breakfast host out of Sydney, uh, Andrew Voss, of course, the voice of rugby league commentary on the television as well. Vossie, it just keeps on coming for... From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Deep right-hand side for Fogarty. Flat ball! They've got them! It's 14 all in Canberra! Fogarty coming out of the line. Curran left some space. Oh, swing and a miss! Swing and a miss and Halloween and Nida might have extended the lead. At full time here at GIO Stadium, they've beaten the Warriors 26 points to 14. 26 points to 14. It was another frustrating loss for the Warriors, faithful on Saturday night. After what, what looked like uh, quite a promising first 40 minutes, the Newcastle Knights were dealt with the bad news that their star fullback, Kalen Ponga, has been ruled out for the rest of the season. And we've learnt that the Dolphins aren't giving up on signing Cameron Munster. The storylines keep on coming from the NRL. And that is why, as a radio host, you have to love rugby league because there's always, always something going on. And uh, we're very lucky because uh, we can talk about it at this time on a Monday morning with uh, SEN Breakfast host out of Sydney, uh, Andrew Voss, of course, the voice of rugby league commentary on the television as well. Vossi, it just keeps on coming for the Warriors. How many times have they squandered handy leads this season? 
Oh, Smithy, I almost don't know what to say. Good morning, everyone. And it's come against the club that has conceded more second-half leads than any other. I mean, Canberra have been tagged, sadly for them, the faders. The, not the Canberra Raiders. They've been the Canberra faders. So for them to score the 26 second-half points was most disappointing for the Warriors. I, I sort of had... I know this is a little sidelight, but I have this little... um, I have this this idea around sides that are outside the finals race. When it gets to the back end of the season... Referees should step in and say, no, you can't take a shot at goal. There's no penalties. There's No, 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 no. Look where you are on the ladder. You're not allowed to take the two. Because when they led 12-0, what was it, 26th, 27th minute when Sean Johnson, they kicked the long range, mm. the 40 metres. The ref should be able to step in and just kick the ticking, kicking to you, won't you? No, no, come on. Go, go for the try. Go go down further and try. Newcastle the other night, kick a, kick a two-pointer to open the game. Kick a penalty goal to open the game. I said at the time, this will be 30-2. to two. It becomes 30-2 to two later against the Roosters. Uh, yesterday, the Tigers at 16-6. You know, kick penalty goal to go 18-6. Well, if they roll the dice to go further in front, I'm just saying, it's just me. I'm not saying hard and fast rule. I'll be shot down. But I say, if you're out of finals contention, you, your fans don't want you kicking penalty goals. You've got to go got to go the ultimate reward and keep on going. Unless it's right on half-time or something like that. I was just... Look, the effort was 100% there. Who could deny the effort of the Warriors the other day? But eh, just not getting it done. And, and the season with six weeks to go, it's going to be either bottom four or bottom five. Take your pick. Uh, you know, you, you get into a situation like that when you're trailing the Warriors at half time. As an opposition coach, you say, we've got them where, you know, we've got them where we want them. We've basically got them where we want them. We've got them in a mindset where they probably think they might win, but they're not going to. Because if we start well after, in the second half and score first, it's game on, and that's exactly what happened. One minute into the second half yeah, one minute. with Albert yeah. Hopuati. One minute. Yeah, yeah. And look, on reflection, how um, the Reese Walsh situation was played, I just thought that. I know Stacey, um, you know, qualified it after the game. He said he thought Chanel Harris DeVita was going well, but the Reese Walsh was thrown in when they'd fallen well behind. I'm now... Well, if that's how you're going to play him, if you're only going to play him for 15 minutes, you may as well let him go. You know, what's the point? I said last week, Reese Walsh has to be in the best team that the Warriors can possibly pick. And I think given the season they've had, and as something they owe to their fans, they're obliged to pick their best possible team, regardless of if the player's going to another club next year. I think they should be picking their best team. But if it's about teaching him a lesson, as some people have said... Well, what's that about? Like, now, come on, it's pro sport. Either pick him, don't pick him, get rid of him. That's pretty much it with Reese Walsh now. It, it, you know, and what it does lead to is uh, is there more more to this than meets the eye, and you start asking questions about everything again. Well, that's right. No one here, no one wins here, and 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 next week now, if Reese Walsh is fourteen to seventeen, one of the like, if he's even under more pressure, so how's that going to benefit the team? How does that benefit the team? Well, it doesn't. So, you know, if, if Melbourne are chasing him hard and Warriors are only going to use him for 15 minutes, well, let him go then. Let him go. Mm. It's, not my okay. first thought. Well, well, it's not my first desire, yeah. but I'm saying if that's no. how you're going to use him, I think it's, it's almost petulant to, to not have him as, as, as he's gone from permanent starter in the side to bit part in a, in a match where they were, you know, a chance of winning. So, oh, no, I, I don't see the point in keeping him then. He's great there to Ricky Stewart, though, isn't he? Uh, fantastic. He, he, he doesn't hide in a coach's box. Often he's down front and centre. 
Uh, and then, uh, what, he, he almost injured himself celebrating. I, I saw something in the second half. No, he has injured himself. He's Tory Car- he tore his calf, Smithy. It's, it's really? an old man injury, the calf injury, but he did actually tear his calf in uh, celebrating the try. So Ricky said, you know, the first time he's finished the game sore than his players. <laughs> That's Ricky Stewart, <laughs> great character of our game, but he get up, you know, this happens. When you, get, when you reach an age and suddenly spring to your feet like that and there yeah, you can come a cropper and that's what happened to Ricky Save the best till last and it was a hell of a game between uh, the Cowboys and uh, the West Tigers now your good friend uh, Brandy Alexander called out the bunker saying they had a shocker on a captain's challenge mm. what did you read into that were the, were the Tigers robbed yeah, okay. Well, let's first all attack it from people are all arguing over here. Should they have been able to challenge? Well, I've gone through and I've looked at the guidelines and there is something called restart infringements. You can in cha- you can challenge. Now, I think that's a bit ambiguous because, Smithy, for it to be an infringement, should a, you know, surely a penalty first has to be blown. It's not an infringement unless a penalty is blown. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, there was no penalty blown here. So, you know, should you be able... You can't challenge something that hasn't happened. But that's what happened, OK? So that, anyway, that's, that, that's part of the process there. But as for the actual penalty, Asu Kapoa is running in a line of where the ball is going to land. That should be the first checkpoint for the bunker. He's got to have a look. So which way is he running? Is he running directly sideways or is he running at an angle? He's running at an angle. Check. And then the second one will be his eyes. Is he looking at the player that's coming through or is he looking at the ball? His eyes never lose, leave the ball. So check that. Mm. How on earth does that come up with a penalty? How on earth does that happen? I know there's escort plays all the time, but I reckon Kyle Felt initiated the contact. He knew what he was doing. He initiated the contact so he could hit the deck, not, not the other way around. I mean, I'll give you a hypothetical. In a try-scoring situation... If Kyle Felt is the attacking team and did that to Asai Kapoa, he would be penalised. It would be no try because he's taken out a defender. I think Felt initiated the contact and the Tigers were dudded, 100%. Okay, interesting point there um, because they still sit um, <clears throat> down the bottom, of course, with us. So uh, that would have been great for, from their point of view and probably the interesting result of the round. Uh, one of the other things, of course, uh, is just the continual demise uh, Vossi of the Storm now. Uh, I kind of wonder uh, if they'll even make the eight. Well, OK. So we've got Melbourne sitting on 24 points. We've got Parramatta sitting on 24 points. You have two cars that have stalled here for mine. Parramatta's mm. defence is a massive problem. Melbourne have lost four games in a row. But you need to look at the draw, what's coming up. Melbourne's draw is far easier than Parramatta. Parramatta's the team I'm most concerned for. Um, playing Penrith this week. Manly the week after. Could lose both, though. Suddenly, they will be joined by one, two, maybe even three teams. I mean, the likes of Canberra could be level with them on the ladder. So I think Parramatta in more grave danger. But Melbourne's hopes... uh, Well, the next couple of weeks, it's an easier draw than Parramatta. But, you know, Craig Bellamy's a realist. They're not here just to make the eight. They're not here just to scrape into the top four. They had intentions of winning this competition. They're a long way. Like, they're light years away from winning it, you know, based on what's happened the last month. You know, they may they may get back and accumulate enough points to get them safely into the finals, but Melbourne have have a massive job to do over the next six weeks to get back in premiership winning form. Otherwise, it's pretty rare that you say this, they go into the finals making up the numbers. 
Right, uh, let's uh, look also at uh, who they face first up. Of course, that is us back here. Warriors' second game in terms of uh, a repeat of their homecoming. Mm. Not sure there's the same hype about it because they haven't done very well since then. But here's, uh, I guess, an opportunity. Um, any sort of early more, any early week prediction on how this might go? Well, just come out hard. I mean, you'd like to think you can lead 14-0 and learn the lessons of last week. Um, absolutely come out hard on the Melbourne Storm. Uh the the other day South Sydney scored in what the the other night scored in the first minute um, of play to make the running and have Melbourne chasing and what you see at the moment is a Melbourne side that is out of confidence and then because they're behind on you know because there is scoreboard pressure there are some you know pretty lazy mistakes unforced errors come in and they've got some young players there they haven't they haven't got the experienced players at the moment you know they've they're you know, they've got blokes like Anderson and these others. McDonald in the forwards made an error the other night. You know, not for the lack of trying, but, you know, they haven't been there before. They are carrying the load here for Melbourne at the moment. They're coming into this star-studded side with all the all these expectations. So if you can lead Melbourne, that is the key. Stacey Jones has to have his side ready to start really well, play from in front and put the storm under a bit of pressure. Have them chasing points. Um, before we get on to uh, Cameron Munster and uh, a possible offer, he's got uh, sad news for Kalen Ponga and, of course, uh, the Newcastle Knights losing their mm. star. Oh, it's awful. Look, um, well, look, Kalen was on uh, the Matty John show over here on Fox League last night and, and didn't say, I'm definitely out for the rest of the season, but did concede it's basically on specialist advice. He'll see the specialist and, and, and he will be... Uh, guided by that. Now, I can say there is precedence there this season. Alex Twile at the Tigers, three concussions, albeit his last one was very nasty. He was stretched off the field in round 15. The Tigers made a decision, speaking with Alex, speaking with medical staff, that's it, mate, that's your season done. Have the rest of the year off. Well, Kalen's now had three failed HIAs in a, in a relatively short period. Perhaps, I think, you know, in his best interests, he does have the rest of the season off. But, of course, I, I, like everyone else, want to hear what the specialist has to say. But it wasn't the biggest big hit high tackle of the year, and yet Kalen finds himself failing the HIA. Although you do watch it closely. Matt Lodge's forearm does contact the chin, and the chin moves sideways. There's definitely damage done. I know his head hits the ground hard, but there's damage done before he hits the ground. So... I, I, I think it probably warranted more than a fine, the tackle by Matt Lodge. Not on the high scale, but probably warranted a, a match. And Kalen Ponga, it's very, very concerning. Just all of rugby league wish him well. We saw how good he can be in origin number three. You know, he, he has that superstar quality. And the, the young bloke was in tears the other night. He's the captain of his club and he's distressed at how, where he finds himself at the moment. Right, uh, Benji Marshall uh, looking like he's making pretty early waves in uh, his new role, which is uh, about to unfold with the, with the Tigers. Um, is it true he's approached Mitchell Moses and he's also targets, uh, targeting James Tedesco? Well, well, I don't know how he's going to go, Benji, but he, what, what's the difference between approaching, uh, offering, or just having a chat? Uh, Benji likes a chat, Smithy. He does like a chat. And, mm. of course, he's not that long retired. Um, only last year, and he's had associates with all these players. Look, what it does say to me, even if none of this is true, that he can talk with them, that that I see Benji, uh, you know, if the Tigers have pulled the right or wrong rein, I think, and, and I've never been a player, Smithy, so I've never, you know, played at that level, but I think I'd like to be coached by Benji Marshall. I think that is part of the appeal. So, you know, whether he gets to Desco Moses, probably not. 
but I think players would be interested to sit down in front of Benji Marshall and would see a connection with him. Um, and he's going to serve his apprenticeship the next two years. I think that's a good sign for the Tigers that I think under Benji Marshall and knowing that he's that he's going to be at the helm, I think despite their position on the ladder, that negates some of that. That that I think there is an appeal having Benji as coach. I think players would like to be coached by Benji Marshall. I might be wrong on that, Smithy, but that's the feeling I'm getting, and that's got to be a good thing for the Tigers. Mm, interesting. Uh, the Panthers beat the Sharks twenty to ten. Was that uh, the match that you thought it might be? Yeah, I called this one. Um, Sharks led 10-0 after 11 minutes, didn't score again. Uh, certainly came out with a you know, great intent, but Penrith just their championship qualities. A um, bit like the uh, uh, Raiders-Warriors game, straight after halftime. You know, Penrith go to the break trailing, score the first minute of the second half through Dylan Edwards and, and never headed. Um, the controversy in this one is the injury to Stephen Crichton. Now, the lacerated ear. It's bizarre, really. Dale Finucane, on the night, referee, no penalty. Bunker watches... Bunker probably watched five, six replays, not even a penalty. And then the match review committee call it a grade three offence, like a grade three is a send-off. Well, I've said, we, we raised this point many times, Smithy, but it's quite obvious the referee, the bunker, and the match review committee operate off different rule books. How, how could you have such a difference of opinion? Like... Yeah, uh, uh, if that's a grade three, then a grade three is normally a send off. Well, then on the night, Cronulla reduced a twelve game over, but it was a. But it seemed to me a head clash. Like accidents do happen. It's an aggressive game, Smithy. Players go out there to smash each other. That's one of the principles of the game. You know, that's that's part of it. It's not it's not kids' footy. This is grown men playing professional sport, and they play it as hard as they can, and they look to smash each other every tackle. That's what Dale Finucane was looking to do, and there was a and. and Crichton's turned side on and end up a head clash. It looked ungainly and all the rest, but you know, I think the referee in the bunker on the night got it pretty right. And yet you find out later that he's facing suspension because the match review committee see it differently. Confusing. Fossey, you could, you could actually uh, be standing in New Zealand talking about the 15-man game. Uh, yeah, uh, exactly, that's right. exactly the same scenario you're just talking yeah. about here. That's right, and, and, but in the NRL there won't be a uh, there won't be a discount on the sentence if you watch a video or go through a training course or something. I mean, but but here we were from a league point of view, we were having a little bit of fun, poking a bit of fun at that extraordinary um, dismissal there uh, a few weeks ago. Um, then league finds itself in the same malaise this week. But we had our referee in our bunker on the night, Smithy. Not even mm. a penalty. It was a play the ball. How can mm. it be so different between the match review committee, the bunker? had time, had angles, and had numerous replays, and came back with a play-the-ball call. How can you have that difference of opinion? Different rule books. Just find, yeah, different rule books. Absolutely different rule books, and uh, they're all the same language, I would have understood, but uh, clearly they're not. Uh, just before we leave the league side of things, is it possible that we're hearing that Cameron Munster may well become the highest-paid rugby league player in the NL, uh, NRL history, mate? Well, that's what they're talking about. Getting up there, they, they're talking in excess of a million for Cameron that the Dolphins will now uh, rip the kitchen sink off uh, off the uh, off the um, the kitchen of the uh, outside the boardroom in the clubhouse, and they will throw everything and the kitchen sink now at Cameron Munster because they've done plenty of recruiting. You know, they put together in quantity, they've put together a squad, but they never got the. They never got the billboard player, did they, Smithy? They never got the person mm. 
that they will put up on the billboard like a Roger Tuovasashek at the Warriors and Sean Johnson in his prime. Who's the billboard player that the Dolphins go forward with? They haven't got one. So Cameron Munster, if it wasn't going to be Kalen Ponga, if it wasn't going to be a Harry Grant, then Cameron Munster, and if it can't be next year, the year after, um, that's where they're going to look like they're going to invest their money. And he's a Queenslander, so bringing him home and all those sorts of things. Is it money well spent? That's maybe for others to decide. But he is in a playmaker position. He's an outstanding player. He will win you matches. You know, he will win you matches. It's not like signing David Afita or a back rower who mainly touched the ball 10 times a game. Munster will have a big influence on that team. And he's that player that you're going to have on the billboard. Recognisable, test origin star. I suppose he's worth it given where the Dolphins are starting up. Speaking of where uh, Cameron's uh, likely to re- receive big paychecks, big offers, can we just uh, briefly touch on Cameron Smith? Now, it's been a week since that magnificent win in the, at St Andrews. There's been a lot of speculation about will he, won't he, will he, won't he. I think he's just still partying. But um, where are you reading it, you guys, over there at this point in terms of Greg Norman's quest to sign him for megabucks? Yeah, well, they're talking, what, $140 million, $140, $150 million. Very hard to knock back, really. Oh, look... <sighs> We're in a situation where uh, the opposition to the live golf, um, it's almost on different uh, levels now. Like, like I'm, I'm a golf fan, always have been. I don't like 54 holes. I don't get the team element. doesn't drag me in at all. So there's a couple of aspects of live that have no attraction to me at all. I want a 72-hole mm. tournament. That's what I've always watched. Then we talk about the Saudi involvement. That's an entirely different level, entirely, entirely different issue. But then you look at a hypocrisy across world sport if you're going to pin these golfers and say, well, you're taking that money and you're standing there. Hang on a second, who you won't buy? You know, who's that sponsor? And all those sorts of things. So there's that argument. And then I have been swayed, Smithy. I must admit, why can't golf have a world tour? You know, tennis does. Why does the PGA Tour, and I think we've made this point before in your program, Smithy, they don't give a toss about New Zealand and Australia and our tour down here or anything. Um, so why can't we have a world tour that has tournaments all over the world? Why, why does the USPGA have to be the all-conquering body and what they say goes? So mm. I'm, I'm, an, I'm a supporter of a world golf tour. Is this the way to get to it? Well, it seems they're going to crash or crash through. <laughs> and, and they do have a bottomless pit of money. And Cameron Smith won't be the last to have 140 million thrown at him. So... Uh, I'm not quite going to Donald Trump. He's saying, take the money now. Take it, take it, take it. But I think this money's still going to be on offer for quite some time. So Cameron Smith, maybe he might just say, oh, I'll just sit back a little bit longer, bask in the glory of this yeah. major. Or he might jump straight away and still be able to play majors and get this money. Well, he's number two in the world now, so that would be their highest profile signing if they managed to get him. Vossi, as always, mate, thank you so much for your contribution. We look forward to uh, the Warriors and the Storm this weekend. What have you got calling this weekend? Uh, this weekend, I'm actually kicking off the round. Manly uh, Sydney Roosters at Four Points Park on Thursday night, so that's a good one. I mean, that's two of the teams uh, locked together on 20 competition points. And then I've got a big one, um, Brisbane on the um, oh sorry 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 right way back yeah Thursday night Manly Roosters and then on Saturday night I've got Brisbane Tigers at Suncorp so get to see Kevy Walters Broncos against the luckless Tigers and may I finish on that Smithy if you know a Tigers fan give them a hug today just ring them up say are you okay just check on them oh well my wife used to be a Gary Freeman uh, fan does that qualify can I no I oh, know I won't I won't even think about that. 
<laughs> okay. Fair enough. Cheers. Alrighty. Cheers, Vossie. Have a great week, mate. Thank you very much. Cheers. Bye. Uh, Andrew Voss there, of course, coming in with uh, all his uh, NRL knowledge and uh, background knowledge on uh, which comes with his fantastic sports show he has in the mornings with uh, Greg Alexander. 11.24 here on SENZ. Back soon. The Warriors, how many times have they squandered handy leads this season? Oh, Smithy, I almost don't know what to say. Good morning, everyone. And it's come against the club that has conceded more second-half leads than any other. I mean, Canberra have been tagged, sadly, for them, the faders. The, not the Canberra Raiders, they've been the Canberra faders. So for them to score the 26 second-half points was most disappointing for the Warriors. I, I sort of had... I know this is a little sidelight, but I have this little... um, I have this, this idea around sides that are outside the finals race. When it gets to the back end of the season... Referee should step in and say, no, you can't take a shot at goal. There's no penalties. There's No, 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 no. Look where you are on the ladder. You're not allowed to take the two. Because when they led 12-0, what was it, 26th, 27th minute when Sean Johnson, they kicked the long range, mm. the 40 metres. The ref should be able to step in and just kick the ticking, kicking to you, won't you? No, no, come on. Go, go for the try. Go go down further and try. Newcastle the other night, kick a, kick a two-pointer to open the game. Kick a penalty goal to open the game. I said at the time, this will be 30-2. to two. It becomes 30-2 to two later against the Roosters. Uh, yesterday, the Tigers at 16-6. You know, kick penalty goal to go 18-6. Well, if they roll the dice to go further in front. I'm just saying, it's just me. I'm not saying hard and fast rule. I'll be shot down. But I say, if you're out of finals contention, you, your fans don't want you kicking penalty goals. You've got to go got to go the ultimate reward and keep on going. Unless it's right on half-time or something like that. I was just... Look, the effort was 100% there. Who could deny the effort of the Warriors the other day? But eh, just not getting it done. And, and the season with six weeks to go, it's going to be either bottom four or bottom five. Take your pick. Uh, you know, you, you get into a situation like that when you're trailing the Warriors at half time. As an opposition coach, you say, we've got them where, you know, we've got them where we want them. We've basically got them where we want them. We've got them in a mindset where they probably think they might win, but they're not going to. Because if we start well after, in the second half and score first, it's game on, and that's exactly what happened. One minute into the second half yeah, one minute. with Albert yeah. Hopawati. One minute. Yeah, yeah. And look, on reflection, how um, the Reese Walsh situation was played, I just thought that. I know Stacey um, you know, qualified it after the game. He said he thought Chanel Harris-DeVita was going well, but the Reese Walsh was thrown in when they'd fallen well behind. I'm now... Well, if that's how you're going to play him, if you're only going to play him for 15 minutes, you may as well let him go. You know, what's the point? I said last week, Reese Walsh has to be in the best team that the Warriors can possibly pick. And I think given the season they've had, and as something they owe to their fans, they're obliged to pick their best possible team, regardless of if the player's going to another club next year. I think they should be picking their best team. But if it's about teaching him a lesson, as some people have said... Well, what's that about? Like, now, come on, it's pro sport. Either pick him, don't pick him, get rid of him. That's pretty much it with Reese Walsh now. You know, and what it does lead to is uh, is there more more to this than meets the eye, and you start asking questions about everything again. Well, that's right. No one here, no one wins here, and 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 next week now, if Reese Walsh is fourteen to seventeen, one of the like, he's, if he's even under more pressure. So how's that going to benefit the team? How does that benefit the team? Well, it doesn't. So, you know, if, if Melbourne are chasing him hard and Warriors are only going to use him for 15 minutes, well, let him go then. Let him go. Mm. It's, not my okay. first thought. Well, well, it's not my first desire, yeah. but I'm saying if that's no. how you're going to use him, I think it's, it's almost 
petulant to to not have him as 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 he's gone from permanent starter in the side to bit part in a in a match where they were you know a chance of winning. So oh, no, I I don't see the point in keeping him then. He's great theatre, Ricky Stewart though, isn't he? Uh, fantastic. He, he he doesn't hide in a coach's box. Often he's down front and centre. Uh, and then, uh, what, he, he almost injured himself celebrating. I, I saw something in the second half. No, he has injured himself. He's tore, he car- he tore his calf, Smithy. It's, it's really? an old man injury, the calf injury, but he did actually tear his calf in uh, celebrating the try. So Ricky said, you know, the first time he's finished the game sore than his players. <laughs> That's Ricky Stewart, <laughs> great character of our game, but he get up, you know, this happens. When you, get, when you reach an age and suddenly spring to your feet like that and there yeah, you can come a cropper and that's what happened to Ricky Save the best till last and it was a hell of a game between uh, the Cowboys and uh, the West Tigers now your good friend uh, Brandy Alexander called out the bunker saying they had a shocker on a captain's challenge what did you read into that were the, were the Tigers robbed yeah, okay. Well, let's first all attack it from people are all arguing over here. Should they have been able to challenge? Well, I've gone through and I've looked at the guidelines and there is something called restart infringements. You can in cha- you can challenge. Now, I think that's a bit ambiguous because, Smithy, for it to be an infringement, should I, you know, surely a penalty first has to be blown. It's not an infringement unless a penalty is blown. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, there was no penalty blown here. So, you know, should you be able... You can't challenge something that hasn't happened. But that's what happened, OK? So that, anyway, that's, that, that's part of the process there. But as for the actual penalty, Asukapoa is running in a line of where the ball is going to land. That should be the first checkpoint for the bunker. He's got to have a look. So which way is he running? Is he running directly sideways or is he running at an angle? He's running at an angle. Check. And then the second one will be his eyes. Is he looking at the player that's coming through or is he looking at the ball? His eyes never lose, leave the ball. So check that. Mm. How on earth does that come up with a penalty? How on earth does that happen? I know there's escort plays all the time, but I reckon Kyle Felt initiated the contact. He knew what he was doing. He initiated the contact so he could hit the deck, not, not the other way around. I mean, I'll give you a hypothetical. In a try-scoring situation... If Kyle Felt is the attacking team and did that to Asai Kapoa, he would be penalised. It would be no try because he's taken out a defender. I think Felt initiated the contact and the Tigers were dudded, 100%. Okay, interesting point there um, because they still sit um, <clears throat> down the bottom, of course, with us. So uh, that would have been great for, from their point of view and probably the interesting result of the round. Uh, one of the other things, of course, uh, is just the continual demise uh, Vossi of the Storm now. Uh, I kind of wonder uh, if they'll even make the eight. Well, OK. So we've got Melbourne sitting on 24 points. We've got Parramatta sitting on 24 points. You have two cars that have stalled here for mine. Parramatta's mm. defence is a massive problem. Melbourne have lost four games in a row. But you need to look at the draw, what's coming up. Melbourne's draw is far easier than Parramatta. Parramatta's the team I'm most concerned for. Um, playing Penrith this week. Manly the week after. Could lose both, though. Suddenly, they will be joined by one, two, maybe even three teams. I mean, the likes of Canberra could be level with them on the ladder. So I think Parramatta in more grave danger. But Melbourne's hopes... Uh, well, the next couple of weeks, it's an easier draw than Parramatta. But, you know, Craig Bellamy's a realist. They're, they're not here just to make the eight. They're not here just to scrape into the top four. They had intentions of winning this competition. They're a long way. Like, they're light years away. 
from winning it, you know, based on what's happened the last month. You know, they may they may get back and accumulate enough points to get them safely into the finals, but Melbourne have have a massive job to do over the next six weeks to get back in premiership winning form. Otherwise, it's pretty rare that you say this, they go into the finals making up the numbers. Right, uh, let's uh, look also at uh, who they face first up. Of course, that is us back here. Warriors' second game in terms of uh, a repeat of their homecoming. Mm. Not sure there's the same hype about it because they haven't done very well since then. But here's, uh, I guess, an opportunity. Um, any sort of early more, any early week prediction on how this might go? Well, just come out hard. I mean, you'd like to think you can lead 14-0 and learn the lessons of last week. Um, absolutely come out hard on the Melbourne Storm. Uh the the other day South Sydney scored in what the the other night scored in the first minute um, of play to make the running and have Melbourne chasing and what you see at the moment is a Melbourne side that is out of confidence and then because they're behind on you know because there is scoreboard pressure there are some you know pretty lazy mistakes unforced errors come in and they've got some young players there they haven't they haven't got the experienced players at the moment you know they've they're you know, they've got blokes like Anderson and these others. McDonald in the forwards made an error the other night. You know, not for the lack of trying, but, you know, they haven't been there before. They are carrying the load here for Melbourne at the moment. They're coming into this star-studded side with all the, all these expectations. So if you can lead Melbourne, that is the key. Stacey Jones has to have his side ready to start really well, play from in front and put the storm under a bit of pressure. Have them chasing points. Um, before we get on to uh, Cameron Munster and uh, a possible offer, he's got uh, sad news for Kalen Ponga and, of course, uh, the Newcastle Knights losing their mm. star. Oh, it's awful. Look, um, well, look, Kalen was on uh, the Matty John show over here on Fox League last night and, and didn't say, I'm definitely out for the rest of the season, but did concede it's basically on specialist advice. He'll see the specialist and, and, and he will be... Uh, guided by that. Now, I can say there is precedence there this season. Alex Twal at the Tigers, three concussions, albeit his last one was very nasty. He was stretched off the field in round 15. The Tigers made a decision, speaking with Alex, speaking with medical staff, that's it, mate, that's your season done. Have the rest of the year off. Well, Kalen's now had three failed HIAs in a, in a relatively short period. Perhaps, I think, you know, in his best interests, he does have the rest of the season off. But, of course, I, 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 like everyone else, want to hear what the specialist has to say. But it wasn't the biggest big hit high tackle of the year, and yet Kalen finds himself failing the HIA. Although you do watch it closely. Matt Lodge's forearm does contact the chin, and the chin moves sideways. There's definitely damage done. I know his head hits the ground hard, but there's damage done before he hits the ground. So... I, I think it probably warranted more than a fine, the tackle by Matt Lodge. Not on the high scale, but probably warranted a, a match. And Kalen Ponga, it's very, very concerning. Just all of rugby league wish him well. We saw how good he can be in origin number three. You know, he, he has that superstar quality. And the young bloke was in tears the other night. He's the captain of his club and he's distressed at how, where he finds himself at the moment. Right, uh, Benji Marshall uh, looking like he's making pretty early waves in uh, his new role, which is uh, about to unfold with the, with the Tigers. Um, is it true he's approached Mitchell Moses and he's also targets, uh, targeting James Tedesco? Well, well, I don't know how he's going to go, Benji, but he, it, what, what's the difference between approaching, uh, offering, or just having a chat? Uh, Benji likes a chat, Smithy. He does like a chat. And, mm. of course, he's not that long retired. Um, only last year, and he's had associates with all these players. Look, 
what it does say to me, even if none of this is true, that he can talk with them, that that I see Benji, uh, you know, if the Tigers have pulled the right or wrong rein, I think, and, and I've never been a player, Smithy, so I've never, you know, played at that level. But I think I'd like to be coached by Benji Marshall. I think that is part of the appeal. So, you know, whether he gets to Desco Moses, probably not. But I think players would be interested to sit down in front of Benji Marshall and would see a connection with him. Um, and he's going to serve his apprenticeship the next two years. I think that's a good sign for the Tigers that I think under Benji Marshall and knowing that he's, that he's going to be at the helm, I think despite their position on the ladder, that negates some of that, that, that I think there is an appeal having Benji as coach. I think players would like to be coached by Benji Marshall. I might be wrong on that, Smithy, but that's the feeling I'm getting, and that's got to be a good thing for the Tigers. Mm, interesting. Uh, the Panthers beat the Sharks 20-10. to 10. Was that uh, the match that you thought it might be? Yeah, I called this one. Um, Sharks led 10-0 after 11 minutes, didn't score again, uh, certainly came out with a you know, great intent, but Penrith, just their championship qualities. A um, bit like the uh, uh, Raiders-Warriors game, straight after halftime. You know, Penrith go to the break, trailing score the first minute of the second half through Dylan Edwards and, and never headed. Um, the controversy in this one is the injury to Stephen Crichton. Now, the lacerated ear. It's bizarre, really. Dale Finucane, on the night, referee, no penalty. Bunker watches... Bunker probably watched five, six replays, not even a penalty. And then the match review committee call it a grade three offence like a grade three is a send-off well i've said we we raised this point many times smithy but it's quite obvious the referee the bunker and the match review committee operate off different rule books how, how could you have such a difference of opinion like yeah uh, uh, if that's a grade three then a grade three is normally a send-off well then on the night cronulla reduced 12 game over but it was a but it seemed to me a head clash like accidents do happen it's an aggressive game smithy Players go out there to smash each other. That's one of the principles of the game. You know, that's that's part of it. It's not it's not kids' footy. This is grown men playing professional sport, and they play it as hard as they can, and they look to smash each other every tackle. That's what Dale Finucane was looking to do, and there was a and Crichton's turned side on and ended up a head clash. It looked ungainly and all the rest, but you know, I think the referee in the bunker on the night got it pretty right, and yet you find out later that he's facing suspension because the match review committee see it differently confusing. Fossey, you could you could actually uh, be standing in New Zealand talking about the 15-man game. Uh, yeah, uh, exactly, that's right. Exactly the same scenario you're just talking yeah. about here. That's right, and, and, but in the NRL there won't be a uh, there won't be a discount on the sentence if you watch a video or go through a training course or something. I mean, but, but here we were, from a league point of view, we were having a little bit of fun, poking a bit of fun at that extraordinary um, dismissal there uh, a few weeks ago. Um, then league finds itself in the same melees this week, but we had our referee in our bunker on the night, Smithy. Not even mm. a penalty. It was a play the ball. How can mm. it be so different between the match review committee? The bunker had time, had angles, and had numerous replays, and came back with a play-the-ball call. How can you have that difference of opinion? Different rule books. Just find, yeah, different rule books. Absolutely different rule books, and uh, they're all the same language, I would have understood, but uh, clearly they're not. Uh, just before we leave the league side of things, is it possible that we're hearing that Cameron Munster may well become the highest-paid rugby league player in the NL, uh, NRL history, mate? Well, that's what they're talking about. Getting up there, they, they're talking in excess of a million for Cameron that the Dolphins will now uh, rip the kitchen sink 
off uh, off the uh, off the um, the kitchen of the uh, outside the boardroom in the clubhouse, and they will throw everything and the kitchen sink now at Cameron Munster because they've done plenty of recruiting. You know, they put together in quantity, they've put together a squad, but they never got the they never got the billboard player, did they, Smithy? They never got the person mm. that they will put up on the billboard like a Roger Tuivasa-Sheck at the Warriors and Sean Johnson in his prime. Who's the billboard player that the Dolphins go forward with? They haven't got one. So Cameron Munster, if it wasn't going to be Kalen Ponga, if it wasn't going to be a Harry Grant, then Cameron Munster, and if it can't be next year, the year after, um, that's where they're going to look like they're going to invest their money. And he's a Queenslander, so bringing him home and all those sorts of things. Is it money well spent? That's maybe for others to decide, but he is in a playmaker position. He's an outstanding player. He will win you matches. You know, he will win you matches. It's not like signing David Afita or a back rower who mainly touched the ball 10 times a game. Munster will have a big influence on that team, and he's that player that you're going to have on the billboard, recognisable, test origin star. I suppose he's worth it given where the Dolphins are starting up. Speaking of where uh, Cameron's uh, likely to re- receive big paychecks, big offers, can we just uh, briefly touch on Cameron Smith? Now, it's been a week since that magnificent win in the, at St Andrews. There have been a lot of speculation about will he, won't he, will he, won't he. I think he's just still partying. But um, where are you reading it, you guys, over there at this point in terms of Greg Norman's quest to sign him for megabucks? Yeah, well, they're talking, what, $140 million, $140, $150 million. Very hard to knock back, really. Oh, look... <sighs> We're in a situation where uh, the opposition to the live golf, um, it's almost on different uh, levels now. Like, uh, like I'm, I'm a golf fan, always have been. I don't like 54 holes. I don't get the team element. doesn't drag me in at all. So there's a couple of aspects of live that have no attraction to me at all. I want a 72-hole mm. tournament. That's what I've always watched. Then we talk about the Saudi involvement. That's an entirely different level, entirely, entirely different issue. But then you look at a hypocrisy across world sport if you're going to pin these golfers and say, well, you're taking that money and you're standing Hang on a second, who you won't buy? You know, who's that sponsor? And all those sorts of things. So there's that argument. And then I have been swayed, Smithy. I must admit, why can't golf have a world tour? You know, tennis does. Why does the PGA Tour, and I think we've made this point before in your program, Smithy, they don't give a toss about New Zealand and Australia and our tour down here or anything. Um, so why can't we have a world tour that has tournaments all over the world? Why, why does the USPGA have to be the all-conquering body and what they say goes? So mm. I, I'm, I'm, an, I'm a supporter of a world golf tour. Is this the way to get to it? Well, it seems they're going to crash or crash through. <laughs> and, and they do have a bottomless pit of money. And Cameron Smith won't be the last to have $140 million thrown at him. So... Uh, I'm not quite going to Donald Trump. He's saying, take the money now. Take it, take it, take it. But I think this money's still going to be on offer for quite some time. So Cameron Smith, maybe he might just say, oh, I'll just sit back a little bit longer, bask in the glory of this yeah. major. Or he might jump straight away and still be able to play majors and get this money. Well, he's number two in the world now, so that would be their highest profile signing if they managed to get him. Vossi, as always, mate, thank you so much for your contribution. We look forward to uh, the Warriors and the Storm this weekend. What have you got calling this weekend? Uh, this weekend, I'm actually kicking off the round. Manly uh, Sydney Roosters at Four Points Park on Thursday night, so that's a good one. I mean, that's two of the teams uh, locked together on 20 competition points. And then I've got a big one, um, Brisbane 
on the um, oh sorry 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 right way back yeah Thursday night Manly Roosters and then on Saturday night I've got Brisbane Tigers at Suncorp so get to see Kevy Walters Broncos against the luckless Tigers and may I finish on that Smithy if you know a Tigers fan give them a hug today just ring them up say are you okay just check on them oh well my wife used to be a Gary Freeman uh, fan does that qualify can I no I know I won't I won't even think about that uh, okay fair enough Cheers, Alrighty. cheers, Vossy. Have cheers, a great man. week, mate. Thank you very much. Cheers, bye. Uh, Andrew Voss there, of course, coming in with uh, all his uh, NRL knowledge and uh, background knowledge on uh, which comes with his fantastic sports show he has in the mornings with uh, Greg Alexander. Eleven twenty-four here on SENZ. Back soon. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, it's that time of the day where we uh, give you the chance to win $50 TAB bonus bet. Um, it's time to put your whites on, gentlemen. It's time for a spot of cricket. Uh, today, joining us at the crease, first up, we have Joey from Auckland. You there, Joey? Yeah, mate. Hey, mate. How you going? Yeah, pretty good. So, are you pretty feeling good. feeling confident hopefully. today? Well, hopefully. It depends on what sports they are. <laughs> and Smithy, how, how are you doing, mate? Quite cool, refreshed after the weekend. So I'd quite like to build the pot up this weekend and give it something really substantial at the, the end. You know, it'd be nice to get it up to a couple of hundred bucks, two fifty. But uh, Joey stands in the way first up. So uh, what are the categories, Brian, for game one on day one this week? So the categories for the first day of the test is uh, the three categories to choose from: Wellington, Phoenix, Commonwealth Games, or boxing. What would you like to go with, Joey? Um. Commonwealth Games. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. So today's questions are all about getting to know New Zealand's team at the Birmingham Games. Question number one. Sue Curran will become New Zealand's oldest Commonwealth Games athlete of all time when she competes in lawn bowls. How old is Sue? Old. I'll say, been an ex-bowler and, bowl, and played a lot of bowls. Oh, I'd say she is 61. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a... And it's gone through to the keeper, Smithy. Yeah, I reckon uh, Sue might be just a tad older than that. I haven't seen anything official, but uh, I'm kind of thinking we probably might have had quite uh, in the past, Joey. We might have had a few bowlers uh, touching that. So I'm going to say she's um, getting a whack off Jacinda, 65. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Uh, she's definitely got a uh, snout in the trough of the gold card, uh, 75, representing wow. our country. That's crazy. That's awesome, yeah, eh? That is. That's amazing. What a story. I'm going to follow the bowls now because of that alone. Yeah, yeah. No, we will. We will. We definitely will here. Well, that means that uh, you're still in the hunt for the $50 there, Joey. So question number two. Driver Maggie Squire will be New Zealand's youngest team member at the Commonwealth Games. How old is Maggie? Uh, I'll say 19. One of the worst things I have ever seen. Chip through to the keeper. I'm going to say 15. One of the worst things I've ever seen done on a cricket field. She's 16. You're one year off. 
16. Yeah, close. Oh, it's, that's a, another great story. So they're the both ends of the spectrum. So Look at that, another eh? one to keep an eye well, on. Well, I, I, cool. I just wonder quickly, was, was she alive when um, Sue went to her first games? That would be something cool to find out. Yeah, it would be cool to find out, actually. Someone will do an interview on her, particularly if she wins a medal. Okay, here we go, down to the wire. Down to the final question, everything up for grabs. New Zealand is sending three hammer throwers to the Commonwealth Games. Who are they? Three hammer throwers. Three Uh, hammer throwers, yes. You have to name all three. I'll tell you what, mate. I'm in a festive mood. Logan says you do. You give me one. Can't even think of his name. Um, can't even think. Um, God, I've seen him throw two of each. Uh, no, I can't think of his name. Um, no, wouldn't. No, sorry, can't think. One of, of the worst. Uh, that's right. Through John to the keeper. He's still in with a chance. Depends what Smithy does with it here. Right. Well, I don't think it's a bloke. Here's the thing. I, I, I don't. I think there are three, um, three women involved, um, and. In uh, our team, I really do, but I've got absolutely no idea of their names from memory, so I can't answer it. But I do, I do recall uh, about uh, two or three weeks ago. Uh, in fact, two weeks ago, we spoke to I think Nigel Avery uh, about the Commonwealth Games team, and we talked about the fact that there were three young ladies in the hammer throw. I can't get them. I'm sorry, I absolutely can't, and I should know. Bad, bad me. One of so the no, worst failure. things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Uh, you were definitely right about the three three women representing us. Uh, I remember that too. Um, their names, uh, and there's only three women as well, no, no men. So their names are Lauren Bruce, Julia Ratcliffe, and Nicole Bradley. Now, I'm sure we'll know more about them by the time the games are over. Oh, jeez, I hate winning. I hate losing by default, Joey, but if I've got to lose to someone, I'm glad it's you, mate. Oh, thanks very much, Smithy. Look, I'm the same, mate. I'm, you know, I'm just, just all the best to them uh, over there, and I hope they go really, really well and uh, bring home yep. a lot of uh, medals for it. And um, I, yeah, yeah, very, very good indeed. I, I think they will. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you, Joey. I think it's going to be a bumper, a bumper medal procession for us. So I think one of our most successful away Commonwealth Games forever, mate. In the meantime, uh, stay on the line. Brian will get your details, Joey, and get that fifty bucks to you as soon as we possibly can. It is coming up to 11.40 here on SENZ. Thanks to the SCN. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.